feel again Don't know how Don't know when Do you remember that creepy song from Castle? That the serial oh, killer yeah. guy used to play as like his calling card? I feel card? like they didn't really They did so many things And then they never like chased up on it Well it was that type of show where it was like case of the week yeah. Every episode has to be like a new thing but you're so longing for it to drop the case of the week to just yeah. spend several episodes on something else and they took so long to do that and they always tried to do it at the end but they only ever gave like one or two episodes to it and it's just too little yeah there'd be like some super dramatic like world shaking overarching plot for each season like one of the main characters she's trying to find who killed her mom and at the start of the season, she'll find a new lead and it'll be like this crazy thing. Yeah. And then somehow she'll just forget about it for the next 20 yeah. episodes. And it's like, how are you focusing on this weird, like, wacky murder you've got to solve with Castle yeah. when you've just completely dropped this investigation into your mom's goddamn murder? And that really weird, when it finally ended, that really weird, like, minute-long oh, yeah. future take. Where they didn't know that they were going to renewal yeah, it was gonna get cancelled yeah, yeah. so they film like a just in case we get cancelled lol here's we'll just, 30 seconds yeah. that wraps everything up got kids and stuff that's not a good seems so stupid wasn't very fitting it felt like so tacked on because at the end isn't it it's unclear whether one of them is dead or not yeah but then right? they they yeah they use that mm. little honestly i personally would have liked because they basically got... Can- they were on the bubble. They were, might be getting cancelled anyway. And I think what pushed them over the edge was the backlash to her getting fired, the Kate. Oh, my God. If our listeners haven't watched Castle yeah. or don't care about the TV show Castle, this conversation is going to be like nails on a chalkboard. But those few episodes that she wasn't in, for whatever reason, and Castle, Nathan Fillion, was just off on his own doing things. Gallivanting. That was a better show. Yeah. Kate was, like, so dramatic and annoying. It was, like, just get out. Even though the show it. is called Castle, they needed a spin-off where it was somehow also just Castle on his own. Yeah. Castle, and then in brackets, solo. But I like wine and Esposito. Yeah. The bromance. But I could do without everyone else. They were tough cops, but they had hearts of gold. (laughs) I love you, bro. I love you too. We're partners. We're more than partners. We're brothers. I've got your back and you've got mine. And then they just make out in the showers. (laughs) I'm guessing that police stations in New York City have showers, but I I can't say for sure. I really can't. You know what? watch the first couple of seasons yeah because i only started watching with you like when i met you and it had already been on for a few years yeah that i is... have no desire to watch it on my own it was like a show i watched with you at some point we will go back and rewatch it yeah the whole thing but it, it is the type of show where you can jump in midway yeah because there is like an overall kind of yeah but story. at the same time like one of the bad guys that that there was a bad guy who'd been in it several times before came into it while i was watching it with you and i had no idea who it was or why it was so bad Yeah, but it's like a 10 second explanation yeah but still this is like when we were going to watch john wick 2 and you're like but i haven't seen john wick 1 i won't know what's going on and i was like here's the story in john wick 1 (laughs) keanu reeves like is wronged in some way and then he guns down like 400 people there is no plot yeah, but 
It doesn't matter. You could jump in at John Wick 6 and it wouldn't but matter. But I did keep, find that I had to keep saying to you, was he in the first one? Was he in the first one? Is this something from the first one? And but that's because you care was. about that thing. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Like, you want to know what the characters' relationship to each other are, whereas I'm just there for the yeah. gunfight choreography. Going back to Castle, I am glad in a way that I didn't watch the first few seasons because... When I jumped in watching it, they were just about to get together. Yeah. And if I'd have had to watch like two or three seasons the of will this, they, won't they will they won't build they bullshit, up. then, you know. But then when they get together, it's so good. Yeah, I guess. They had good chemistry. I mean, Nathan Fillion could have chemistry with anyone. Yeah. I know what you're about to bring up. I feel like there's two things I could bring up. Oh, okay. Which one is it? Oh, I thought you were going to be like... Oh my god, remember when I had a picture taken with Nathan Fillion and he tickled me? I actually wasn't doing that. I, if, honestly, if I had a picture taken with Nathan <laughs> Fillion and he tickled me to make me laugh for the photo, I would want to bring that up at every opportunity. <laughs> On the parts of my abdomen where he tickled me, I would never wash again. It wasn't my abdomen, he tickled me at the side. Yeah, that's your abdomen. No, but like at the side. The abdomen is not around the side. Isn't oh, I like thought it was like the whole kind of like lower section of your torso. I think it's just your tummy, your abdomen. Oh, I okay. Know I don't know. I'm not a medical Either professional. Way, I don't understand these when terms. When I think abdomen, I think tummy at the bottom. Let's just call it your thorax. <laughs> but yeah, I wasn't going to bring that up. I was going to say how it came out that him and What's-His-Face weren't friendly. Uh, who's What's-His-Face? Kate. Him and Kate weren't oh, friendly okay. in real yeah. life. But that's just rumours, right? So no one knows for sure. Well, not really rumours. There's rumours about anything. He so. didn't really say anything about her when she got um, fired. He also didn't really say anything thanking her when the show was over. He thanked everyone else. I can't believe you're going into this celebrity bullshit gossip instead know, of telling your story so about sad. meeting Nathan goddamn Canadian Fillion. <laughs> He's got the same birthday as me. Cool. That is cool. We also share a birthday with Quentin Tarantino. But isn't his birthday in the Canadian time zone? Like, you could technically have the same birthday, like oh, the yeah, day as someone, but if their time zone is like 12 hours apart from yours, they could have been technically yeah. like, it could have been like 25 hours before you were born. Like, you see what I mean? Like, you, oh, yeah. it's weird how that could work. Canada's like, yeah. America's hat. Yeah. No. What it is. <laughs> and Mexico is like America's beard. Sure. America is a bearded hipster in this scenario. Okay. I am... Um, it's crossing the Atlantic to go to Europe, up. which is its artisanal coffee shop to pick up a $5 latte. You think this is so good? <laughs> no. I love that you just call me out on that. She just in his face. He's like... Yeah, Once I get into storytelling mode, so cool. there's no stopping me. I'm like a bulldozer. Oh. Yeah, so if we were the same age... Me and Nathan Fillion. Yeah. And then, my, yeah, I'd have my birthday first. So I'd be older. Yeah, by like so many hours. But yeah, you're right. It could, there could, there's a time of day where his birthday has wouldn't happen yet. Yeah. That's not interesting at all. I can't believe you still haven't told the story yet. For the love of God, can you just tell the story? Of what? Of meeting Nathan oh, Fillion. God, okay. 
Okay. Okay. Now okay. you've forced me. So, my first, I used to go to a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of fan conventions. I should really count them and see how many I went to, because I went to a lot. Yeah, it's really important to know the overall number. Yeah, but it feels good. It's been like, oh my God, I, there was a time when I used to go, I started going every year, and then as I got more into them, I'd go two or three times a year, and so, you know. You are a convention a junkie. Um... So the first ever convention I went to was an angel slash firefly convention. And all the guests had already been announced. Or so I thought. Like, I didn't know it was a thing where you could go and then there'd be, like, surprise a guests. mystery guests. Yeah, I didn't know that. So I thought all the guests had been announced. So at these, at, this was, like, um, a three-day convention where... They, they're different to, like, Comic-Con and things like that. Um, so at the, at the beginning of the weekend on the Friday, there would always be, like, an opening ceremony where all the guests would come out and say hello and, like, I look forward to the weekend and meeting you all, blah, blah, blah. Thanks for your money, suckers. Yeah, so I'm in the audience and David and all the guests will come out and the guy who, like, runs the event has, like... And blah, blah, blah. Just blah, one blah. more thing. Nathan Fillion. Yeah. And I am like freaking the fuck out. Like freaking out. You started ovulating right I was actually, you know how like when you see things like that and everyone's like clapping and screaming, I was screaming. You were one <laughs> like, of those girls. I was one of those. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. It was so amazing. I remember Nathan Fillion from Two Guys, A Girl in a Pizza Place. I feel like maybe you're too young to know what that is. I've heard of the show, but I, I've never watched it. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Ryan Reynolds was one of the main guys in it. Nathan Finian was not a main character, but he did. He got together with the main girl character. So he was kind of like a secondary character. But anyway, I remember him all the way from that. Um, and then, of course, he was in Buffy and Angel. He was like one of the ones who was in all three Whedon shows. And so that's why he was like a big deal to me. So, yeah, so I'd met him during, like, getting autographs and stuff, and it wasn't, like, that eventful. Like, I didn't... It was my first convention, so I was really shy, like, super shy. I didn't really know what to say to the guests or whatever. You only have, like, ten seconds when you're getting autographs, though, right? Yeah, but if you... if you want to keep the line moving. Yeah, yeah, but actually, this these particular events that I went to at first, they were very kind of, like, low-key and relaxed, and there there wasn't, like, you know thousands of people there it was like hundreds of people and so there was more time for things so if you did want to have a little chat you could have and I remember like for each person I was like think of something good and you're witty to say but like I've got to make it meaningful even though they're gonna forget it in 10 seconds I think I just asked him how he was honestly or like said I think in my head I was like say something about our birthdays because our birthdays the same day But I don't think I did that. I think I just ended up asking him how he was or something. If, if it fails, just ask how they are. And then if there's actually something going on, that starts a conversation. Like he said, like he was very honest. He was like, I'm really tired from like traveling. He'd only just arrived. I'm really fucking sick of you people. In fact, <laughs> you goddamn convention goers. So from that, he seemed like a very low key, like, oh, you might not get much out of him kind of guy. But then... I had my photo with him, and this was back when, um, making me sound super old, the photographer 
took the photos with using film and you wouldn't get your photos till the next day sometimes the sunday and if if you got photos done on the sunday they wouldn't be ready in time and so they would mail them out to you like by post um but i did get mine back i got mine back on the saturday or the sun no i think i might have got mine back on the sunday um did you pull some strings do you know some people behind the scenes no no because i had them done early saturday so that's where they were ready like they'd have to take them to like a one hour photo or whatever and get them done um so i got my photos back on the sunday and when i got my photo back i was so crushed and disappointed because don't forget as well this is my first experience with this um i was blinking my eyes are closed like completely completely closed closed. like you're sleepwalking yeah yeah and um it was just terrible i was so upset i was just i didn't know what to do anyway someone said to me oh sometimes if they have time they'll do reshoots for you if not that many people need them doing I was like, oh, A, this doesn't sound likely. B, how do I go about doing this? And then I don't remember if it was the event organiser or the actual photographer was just kind of milling around, just happened to be milling around. And I went up to him and I was like, I was told, I don't know why I went into speechless mode then, <laughs> as if I was back you in there. transported back into I was that basically awkward like, moment. Um, sorry, but um, Hi. I don't. I got my you. photo, uh. and I'm I'm blinking. Oh my god, what do I do? You started crying. You turned on the waterworks, <laughs> and he was just such a chill, laid back guy. He was like, "Oh no problem, follow me." He was smoking a bong, and <laughs> he f- took me through the like convention and like we went through all the people all the lines everything and it was chaos it was chaos everyone was winding down everyone was trying to get all their photos the last stuff of the day was happening and he takes me into this room and nathan's just like standing there with a few people i guess maybe they Na- just are you on first name basis yeah with him? yeah yeah of course you actually call him nate dog yeah <laughs> he's just standing there with a few other people milling around i think maybe like they just finished doing the last photo session or the last autograph session. And the photographer just goes up to him and he's like, oh, we just need to do a quick reshoot. And I'm just standing there thinking, what? I was expecting he was going to take me to a room where there was a line of people all waiting to get reshoots. I wasn't for even a second thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to get a reshoot and it's just a me. A private reshoot Like It was Nathan so Fillion. weird. Anyway, so Nathan looks at me. He she puts out his hand and he goes, Hi, I'm Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Celebrities have I, to do that though. They can't whether, assume. Yeah. No, I can't remember whether he said I'm Nathan or I'm Nathan Fillion. I don't know. But As he if definitely, you, he might be like yeah, Nathan Davis. But he definitely said, Hi, I'm Nathan. And I shook his hand and I was like, <laughs> like a just like silly giggle. And he was like, I think we've got to do some reshoots or whatever. And I was like, yeah, sorry. And he was like, what did I do? What did I do wrong? And I was like, no, no, it was me. I blinked. And he was like, uh, he he was basically trying to like make it like it, it was his fault. And he was like being really apologetic. And so, yeah, so I stood next to him and he put his arm around me. And I put, you know, that usual stance that most people do. He put his arm around. I put my arm around. He's super fucking tall. There wasn't any hover hand type no, of awkwardness. No, 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 no. I don't want to touch him. His hand what if he was gets like... his bodyguards on me? <laughs> His hand was like 
sort of at my waist, but like at my hip, like where, yeah. yeah, like my waist. <clears throat> and point to the doll where he touched you. <laughs> <laughs> I had I hesitated a split second whether or not to make that joke, and then I just plowed on ahead and said, "Fuck it." It was worth it for this adorable, uncontrollable laughter chain reaction I've caused in you. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> Another yawn. Hey! This will make a half dozen since the start of the show. You're not supposed to talk about my yawns. Okay. They're supposed to be behind the scenes. BTS. Yes, exactly. So, where, where, where am I in the story? I don't even got... He took oh, yeah. your hip. <laughs> <laughs> Not in a sexual he way. My hip. Just so his in a hands are my waist. Way. My hands are around him. He's super fucking tall. <clears throat> and you're not. Very and I tall. am so. Oh no, I'm only five two, five one and a half. If you want to get specific. And we do. And so, I am like now really paranoid about blinking because I blinked in the last one, and because it's a film camera without a digital back, he has no way of knowing if I blinked. So I'm like, shit, got to get this right, got to get this right. So I'm basically just staring straight ahead, not even smiling. And the photographer's like, smile then. And Nathan must look down and see that I'm not smiling. And then he just tickles me and goes, smile. And and so I laugh and then he takes the photo. He tickled you at like, the sides, right? Yeah, the side, like basically at my like stomach waist yeah. type area. The side of your torso. Where you tickle people. Like, yeah. if you don't tickle people under the arms, you usually tickle them at their side yeah. somewhere there, basically. And I just started laughing, and that's when he took, like, a bunch of photos. What I'm Good man. Them. He's on the ball. And you've seen them. My photo, I'm... It looks like I'm biting my lip, but like laughing while biting my lip. It's a very strange photo, but it's good. It's way better. It's a really good photo. And my cheeks actually have a bit of pink in them. All my photos from that day, I'm like ghost white because I'm so nervous and so anxious and I'm not smiling that I'm just like dead in them. Um, But yeah, and then weeks later, weeks later, I got them in the mail and there was like four of them. Oh my God, can you imagine if they didn't come? You forgot to send them to be developed. But it doesn't matter because I had that moment. It's true. But to not have the focus at the end of it to kind of cap it off. What's even funnier, it's not even funnier, but what's funny as well is I have that photo of me blinking signed. Yeah. Because it used to be, hopefully you'd get your photos back in time before you had your autograph session. So you could get the photos signed yeah. individually. But if that didn't happen, because that didn't happen this time, I don't know why I said it like that. Um, the, if there was time, the guests would be given the photos before they were given out to people. So you'd sometimes get it and it'd be yeah. signed. So it's like an extra autograph. If they were nice people. Yeah. So I was like, wow, this is signed. But oh, shit, I'm blinking. So yeah. it was like, you know. But yeah, so that was a really good. Yeah. It's a nice cool story. Experience. And he's we- in the photo, he's wearing like this cool, kind of like laid back, button down shirt. Yeah, with like a t shirt underneath. Yeah. yeah. Looks like a guy chilling out on the bar beside the beach, yeah. eating a ham sandwich and ham drinking sandwich. a cold, cold beer. You're dude. just obsessed with Nim Finian. You want to be inside him. Wow. <laughs> I saw that comment cresting your lips and I was like, no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. And then it flooded out like a. He's like wave. a perfect. You want to like be friends with him, but you also want to sex him. I don't want to have sex with Nathan. A Fillion. little bit. I want to be friends with Nathan Fillion. 
I want him to tell me all his stories about working on Firefly and Halo. And Buffy. And Dr. Horrible. Stuff like that. And also, whatnot. I realized earlier I said that he was in Angel, but he wasn't. He was in Buffy as that, like... <laughs> he was in Buffy and... Creepy um, Priest. Firefly. Yeah, yeah. Creepy Priest. So, yeah, that's probably my favorite... One or one of my favorite meetings of famous people because you've um, met so many, you hobnob with the stars. Yeah, no, I don't want to sound like that guy, but I've been to a lot of conventions and I've had a lot of cute moments. I, I feel cute for me anyway. Um, moments, and that's probably one of my favorite. And it was also one of my first, it was my first convention, so and I remember it so vividly, yeah. which is fun. I'm sure, um, you would, but yeah, so have you met any? I feel like this coming out sounding like such a dickhead question. Such a condescending. Have like, you ever met any have famous you met, people? I can't remember. Have you met anyone at Are events Are you good enough to have met no, a famous... No, I don't mean it like that. A famous man in real man. life? No, I, I haven't... Well, I've never been to a fan convention. Yeah. I'm not sure that I would want to. Um, although it could be cool. It would depend on what the property it was for yeah. was. Like, there were a couple... There were maybe like a few things that i would go to a fan convention for but they're very like specific and they're probably not going to happen anymore because like you know their day is done things like firefly yeah it's moment is kind of over but yeah i i so outside of that like when is your opportunity to meet like a famous person well although we did live in london and you do see famous people quite regularly i think you would like conventions purely because we're the same in that we don't want to go like go to places like that but like where it's full of people and blah 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 but there is something really like safe about being at like a fan convention because you know everyone is there for the same reason and you know like loads of people go dressed up they go like the cosplay um, I don't know. There's just something really kind of like safe about yeah, it. You can like totally be yourself. Um, That's why I would be willing to go to a fan convention, yeah. but not. I don't think I'd enjoy something like a Comic Con because it's so huge mm. and so ridiculously crowded with yeah. like throngs and throngs of people that I would just feel completely drowned by this sea of unwashed bodies. I've only done sort of one event where it's like a day thing like a comic con and everything else i've been to has been like those three-day conventions where it's it's just one or two shows and there's photos autographs um q a panels in the evening there's like parties it's like a very insulated thing Comic Con is a little bit more chaotic because there's more people. I mean, it's like a I've big been to cultural a couple phenomenon. Of, I've been to a couple of three day conventions where there was like more than a thousand people. There, like I went to an L Word convention that was like two thousand people, and then I and then it was one just of them ram packed with lesbians, and then one it really was, and yeah. then one of the. Um, <clears throat> Buffy conventions I went to had something like that that amount of people there as well. Um, and it, it is kind of chaos. But again, for those, 
Because it's, again, it's all one thing and everything is scheduled. Even though it's chaos, it's kind of like organised chaos. Whereas like Comic Con, it's like so many different shows and movies. And the merch hall is like its own thing. And it's different. Um, so, But you've never been to a... You've only been to fan conventions in the UK. Yeah. I've I bet been. in the US, because there's such a larger group of people that can go to them they probably are like much bigger things like you like fan conventions here because they're kind of small scale low-key events they're much more like local type of things i was gonna go to london film and comic con one but once but i didn't go in the end i yeah i I don't know how i how i'd like them because i've been fortunate in that Especially, I've been to conventions for like three different organisers, right? And depending on the organiser, that dictates how the convention is going to go. Like one of the organisers I went to, the conventions were smaller, they were more low-key. The guests, like the famous people, they would hang out like all across the convention not just during like the Q&A and the other things they would hang out they They would would come to the parties you know several times it's happened to me where I've stayed awake like hours into the night all night on one occasion with one of the guests just talking um then there's like another organizer who shall not be named they've actually just gone under so that now just this week went under they were like you could tell it was really all about the money they would pack as many get people in as possible thousands of people in as possible sell as many tickets as they could um and their events were chaos like you wouldn't get everything done in time sometimes it was just chaos it wasn't it wasn't as fun um and at that type of convention because there's so many more people there's less, I feel, opportunity for the guests to feel like they can just hang out. Yeah. Because no one follow. Like, usually the rule is, if you see the guests, like, milling around, don't ask for, like, photos and autographs and stuff because you're getting those already, slash you're having to pay for those already. Um, whereas, like, one of the events I'd go to, it was very, like, they would get bombarded in the hallways and people would be taking photos of them and it wasn't fun. And so that type of thing I'm not into, and I feel like Comic Con's a lot like that. You know, the guests can't really do well, that's that. Why it's not as intimate, if you know what I mean. Famous people often will dress up in costumes yeah. and go kind of incognito so that people don't know that they're there, yeah. which is what I would do, honestly. Yeah. Because you don't want to be. That would be so fun. If you're like a super famous person in like the nerd culture world, Go into Comic Con as yourself and just like walking through the crowds must just be like such a horrible experience. So scary. Everyone wants to grab you and take a picture yeah. of you or tell you something or like come and see my booth or like whatever it is. And so it would feel like work to you. It'd feel yeah. like you're doing kind of like <clears throat> some kind of event based around you instead of going to an event to enjoy it independently. Yeah. I much prefer that like thing that I was talking about where it's like a three-day thing. It's very insulated and you have like all these different activities and it it's fun as well because you 
like there's no other place where I'm just gonna like talk to strangers and make new friends. Like yeah. it's so easy to just talk to new people and meet new friends that you can be friends with still now. Because um, you know from the get go that you have at least this one thing in exactly. common. Exactly. Um, I really miss them. I went to the only like I said I'd only ever been to one thing that wasn't a three day convention. And that was actually recently. It was like a, a couple of months ago. Um, and so I was just there. I wasn't even there half a day. Um, Do you want to tell the story about the surprise guests? Yeah. Okay. So near where we are, which is basically nowhere, sure. <laughs> if that tells you. Like we're not in London. We're not in any kind of Alas. big city where you'd have these types of events. So usually, like when we lived here before, we'd have to travel for them. Anyway, not too far from here, like 20 minutes from here, my mom was like, oh, there's like this day event and there's all these people from these like few shows. And there were a couple of shows that she watches, like The Flash or Arrow. Or Your mom City watches of, The Flash? Yeah, like City wow. of Heroes and shows iZombie. She's and a I, cool mom. Yeah, and I'd never seen any of those shows, but there were a few people there that I knew who'd been in different shows. And it was £10 a ticket. And it was an excuse for us all to get together, me, my mum, my auntie and my cousin, um, to just go to this thing and just, you know, hang out for the day. Um, So the day before, my mum is like, all the, nearly all the guests for this day event had cancelled. And the people who were organising it, which are the people who have just gone under, they were holding a three-day event alongside this day event in the same place, but for a different show, right? She goes, nearly all the guests have cancelled, but they've announced Wentworth Miller from Prison Break. And I'm like, what the actual fuck? <laughs> like, it wasn't a Prison Break thing. I guess yeah. he's in a di- he was in a different show. But we, me and you, loved Prison Break when it was first on. And I, back in the day, had been to a few Prison Break three-day conventions. I'd never met Wentworth Miller, but I met, like, Teabag and people like that. Um, so I was like freaking out. I was like, this can't be real. Like, are we going to be able to like even meet him? Like, is everything going to be sold out? So, yeah, so basically he was there and Dominic Purcell was there, but we decided because of how expensive it was, we would just go and meet when with Miller, get a photo with him, blah, blah, blah. So... We went and there was so many people because obviously they mixed this three-day event together with this one-day event because of all the guests cancelling. Did it stay a one-day event? No, it stayed. A th- it was a three-day oh, event. Oh, okay. So they all folded the, the one-day into, into the three-day. The three day. Yeah. But you couldn't get, like, I couldn't go to the Q&A panels. I couldn't get, um, you could only get your photo and your autograph because you could pay for those separately. Right. They said if you wanted to go to the panels, you had to buy a day ticket for oh, the convention, man. which was like a hundred pound. You were like, like a second class pounds. citizen in this convention. Yeah, but of course, oppositely, three, the three day convention attendees were annoyed that we got to have some of the privileges by just paying ten pound yeah. to get in. It's a like good we deal. didn't have to pay. You can get it. Yeah, but obviously we had to pay to see Webber Miller. So. That's basically what we did. We went around the merch hall. We bought, like, some merch, which was fun. Um, I got my little Twilight Funko Pops. Of course. What and, a great um, purchase. And um, 
Oh, hey, I was super fucking excited to find those. Okay? They're not accidentally going to fall off the bookshelf and get broken sometime soon. You see those books? <laughs> those books of yours? They're going to go in a fire if that You're going to become a book burner? Yes. Wow. Hashtag literal Nazi. <laughs> That's going to get flagged. Who, by who? I don't know. Some lefty AI that scans podcasts <laughs> for mentions of Nazism. So, yeah, so we... Yeah, so I went met with Wolf yeah. and it was like amazing that that had happened. Yeah. I was saying to my mum the week before, you know what? Should we even go to this thing? Because we know we're going to end up spending money in like the merch hall and stuff. So is it worth it? Because yeah. we're not going to see any of the Because you had to travel there as well. Yeah, although it only cost like £10 to get there. Yeah. So it was very cheap. But I was like, should we even go? And then that was when the day before my mum was like, with Milan, it all like, happened very fast. Fuck? Yeah, and at the time we were watching the latest, the prison latest break prison break yeah. series where they kind of brought it back. So it was kind of surreal to like watch an episode of that yeah. and then find out a couple of days from now you're gonna go and stand neck and neck with Wentworth Miller. He's fucking tall. Yeah, he's another tall. The one. photo of your mom with Wentworth Miller <laughs> is the cutest thing I've ever seen because she's just a My little mom. Mom is four foot eleven. Yeah, and. Is she 4'11"? Yeah, she's 4'11". She's tiny. And sometimes, because I used to go to a lot of these conventions with my mum, if there was, like, someone super tall, they would often bend down or, like, get on their knees even and still be tall. Oh, my God. Yeah. Just bring in a stool for people to sit on. Yeah. But, like, he didn't do that. (laughs) And so the photo looks very strange because he's, like, twice the size of her. It's adorable, though. It is adorable, yeah. She's so smiley. I totally forgot what I said to him. Oh, yeah, I remember now. Um, wasn't anything eventful, but he giggled, and that was fun. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but it really... Because I haven't been to a three-day convention in about two years, and it really made me miss them. Like, I didn't want to leave. We were already there, because we got the women thing... And we looked around the merch hall and it was only like one o'clock. Yeah. So we'd only been there since like nine or something. And I was like, I can't believe what we've got to do here today has done already because I don't want to leave. You've got the bug again. Yeah, I definitely do. There's something called as well that people call the con blues, the convention blues, which is a really kind of sad oh, feeling that you get when you come home from First a three-day convention. totally. Yeah, of course it is. But like... Because usually, well, for me anyway, when I first started going, I could only afford to do one a year. So you would usually end up getting your ticket like nine months in advance. So you'd look forward to it for that whole you nine months. You spend the whole year yeah. looking forward to so it, you salivating. Have, exactly, with your like online friends, like kind of like being like, oh my God, countdown, like, oh, they've announced a new guest. And it was like an event when they announced a new guest. Then you have the three days, which is always really good. Then you go home and it's like, I'm not going to see my yeah. friends for another year. I'm not going to, you know. So, con blues is a definite thing. A definite thing. Um, is there anything like con air with Nicolas Cage? <laughs> Which is actually an yeah, underrated sure. movie. Sure. Put the bunny back in the box. I know you don't get that reference, but that's something that my boy Nicky Cage says during that con film. Air. He does a really, really bad southern accent in that yeah. film. I have seen Conair, but I don't remember it. Like, I don't remember... Look, if you'd have said that another day, I don't know what it was from. The title always makes me... Like, it tricks my brain in some, like, dyslexic way where I always think it's air con. Like, air conditioning. Yeah. Um, 
Um, I know there's nothing you can say in response to whenever that. Whenever I, I don't know why this made me think of it. Whenever I see shopfitters, yeah, I think it's shoplifters. Yeah, I get that. And I'm like, our brains sometimes transpose different yeah. letters in words and mix things around. But yeah, so I mean, back when I used to do conventions, I remember the ticket used to be like sixty five pound. Now tickets are a hundred or more. And so it, everything's more expensive. Um, it used and that's to be, just the ticket to get in, That's right. just the ticket to get in. Um, and then what you pay for separately is usually you'd get all your autographs for free unless they had, like, they'd sometimes have Super things like... special guests. Yeah, they'd have, like, special guests or bonus guests, and that's where you'd pay extra for the autographs. The A-listers. But even then it was, like, £20 or less, yeah. like... And then you pay for your photos, and photos used to be like ten or fifteen pound each. Um, but at the event that where the organisers who have just gone under, their like photos and stuff were all the way up to like eighty pound for some people. So it got ridiculous, especially at that particular organisers' conventions. It got ridiculous. I mean, when we went to meet Wentworth, it was £65 to get a photo with him. Is that why you keep mentioning that they've gone under? You're taking some perverse yeah. joy well, in there. I feel like, failure, in a way, it was a matter of time collapse. because it was clear that it was like a money... Bad business money, practices. bad thing. Yeah. Apparently, as well, that I don't know how true this is, so I, mean, I don't know if I should even say it, but, like... Borderline slander, sure. When I saw that they'd gone under, like, in the comments and stuff, people were saying how, like... They knew they were going under and they knew they'd be closed by this day or whatever, but they still announced a new event and sold tickets for it. And now those people weren't getting their money back. Yeah. Um, and if internet commenters say that, then it must be true. Yeah, that's why I said it. My name is true. That's but... admissible as evidence in a court of law, yeah. you know. <sighs> Hashtag hearsay. You're like in a different world for me yeah. right now. I'm enjoying your convention stories. I'm just a, I'm You shouldn't let me talk about listener. it. You know why? Because I feel like I could tell a million stories. Do you? If you have other good stories, <clears throat> tell them. Um, I guess maybe my other favorite thing, like in terms of like meeting people, was I went to a bunch of Twilight conventions. Cue the lols. Um, and... <laughs> You said that so defensively, and I don't think anyone was going to laugh out loud, um, even derisively. They were some of my favourite conventions. They, they were run by a particular organiser that I only ever went to Twilight conventions for, and they might be my favourite organisers, because you also get a lot, lot of stuff free. Like, yeah. Like, Samples of Robert Pattinson's <laughs> hair for DNA cloning. You got, like, extra stuff thrown in with your ticket, and they were just really laid back. The same people who do the London Film and Comic Con. So um, they're like a big deal. They know what they're doing. Yeah, they know they're experienced. Um, so, yeah, so the last Twilight convention I went to, was it the last one? I think so. Um, one of the guests, um, for any Twilight fans out there, the guy who plays Alec, he, I think he was a child star. I can't remember his name in real life. How bad is that? Anyway. Not really very bad because um, he plays well, a minor bad character in Twilight. What I'm going to tell you. But um, so basically the last night, which is the Sunday night, there's a party every night. We'd gone to the party. We'd had dances and stuff, you know, had a good time. And then a bunch of us were in like the bar area because obviously these conventions, they're in hotels. 
Um, so we were in the bar area, and he, the guy who plays Alec, was there um, chatting with a group of people. So our group of people mixed with his group of people, and we just started chatting, and then we started playing... Um, Cards Against Humanity, is that what it's called? Yeah. I'd never played it before. Um, and it was really fucking fun. I mean, people were like laughing and falling out of their chairs. Fun. <laughs> like that's how fun it was. It's always a good sign. <clears throat> and we must have been playing and talking for so long because at a certain point it was like the middle of like the middle, way into the night, like 3 a.m. or something. And at one point we go up to this guy's room and like we're all messing around and this sounds like it has a very no no no, no. salacious there's ending. nothing like weird but there's loads of us there's like ten of us or more damn and he's like we have to be quiet this guy was playing the numbers game <laughs> he's like we have to be quiet because my parents are asleep in the next room oh god and so at some point I think they woke up and we had to leave so I think it was you like we specified were... that he's you said child star and I think people are gonna think that he's like. A teenager oh, because no, he's no. traveling with his parents. Also, I realize I'm not talking about him. He's a grown we man. We went to this guy's room, not Alec yeah. from Twilight. We went to one of the guys who was talking to him, who was like 20 or something. Went to his room. Just like a random guy at yeah, the convention. Yeah, one of the attendees went to his room and his parents were in the next oh, room. I, oh, I yes. see. I got so confused. So we were there, we taking like group selfies because there was like 10 or 12 of us or something. And making loads of noise. It's like we were kids again. It was like some some of us might have been a little bit drunk as well. Not me. And <laughs> I like how you have to make that disclaimer. No, I just meant like that's why I can remember it because I wasn't drinking. As if people are going to call your alcohol consumption a sin. Yeah. The temperate prohibitionists. I feel like this story is really not very good the because there's nothing actually to it apart from the fact one of the guys from Twilight was like with us all night chatting yeah. and playing games. But it was really fun, and I remember at some point we all had to like leave the room really fast because um, there was an anthrax scare. I think his parents woke up or something. Will you stop? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the unstoppable interrupter. Yeah. And then we went to his room. The guy from Twilight went to his room for a bit um, and continued. And next thing we know, it was morning, and people had to like leave. Some people had to go to like work that day. Oh God! Some people. Everyone had to travel. I had to travel back to... Um, was I already in London? Oh, it wasn't in London. We were living in London, but the convention wasn't in London. It was in Birmingham. So I had to. I had been awake for so many more hours than anyone should be awake for. And I had to travel on my own on the train. And I totally fell asleep. You were hallucinating about minor Twilight stars on the train seats next to It was next so year. fun. Like, seriously, it was really, really fun. That's probably one of my second, like, my second favourite, like, nights. That was also when, when you met me at the train station and I was asleep. You were, no. Like, you fell asleep on the train? No, yeah, I did. But I got off the train at London, Euston, and you were meeting me at the train station. And I had texted you to say I was in one of, like... The, the cafe type things oh. that are there. And next thing I know, you're you waking me up. And I had gone to sleep, like with my hands on all my bags. Yeah. So no one could take my bags. And then. What a yeah. totally secure theft yeah, prevention system you'd but figured out. It wasn't just, oh, I'm tired. I actually couldn't stay awake. 
even though yeah. it was in public, I've had those I couldn't moments. have my eyes open. Never in public. It was painful. I have like a faint memory of that, but I don't remember it very well. Yeah, I remember. But yeah, that London Euston station is a very busy train station yeah. and not somewhere where you should fall asleep. Well, that's why I tried to find like a little nook Dangerous. in like the cafe type thing. Yeah, you were mad. Of course that's I was mad. That's why it's funny how you don't remember because I remember because you were mad at me. Also, I like how you think going into a little secluded nook is yeah. better. That makes it even easier no, for I, someone I, to I sneak over and do it, something nefarious. I yeah, I didn't. I wasn't in like a secluded nook. I was just like... I, di- I didn't just sit on, like, one of the benches in the station and fall asleep. Like, I found a table, I have a seen seat. those people, though. It was busy. I put my hands on all my cases and I just put my head down. Talking of that and kind of tying it into commuting, isn't it crazy when you'd be on the tube and you'd see someone, like, especially in the morning, I guess people try and get, like, a power nap before they go to work. Yeah. When people go to sleep, like, fully to sleep for, like, 15 minutes... It's like, A, that's so dangerous. Like, there's lots of, you know, crazy people doing crazy stuff on the tube at pretty much all hours. And B, like, how satisfying can that 15-minute, like, constantly being jolted awake nap possibly be? Well, two things. But first, another yawn. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) Two things. I think when you're tired... Nothing feels all right except being asleep. Like I've fallen asleep on the bus, the tube, the train countless times. And even though you do know in your mind that it's dangerous, it's that type of tired where you can't not close your eyes. Then you shouldn't be on public transport. Okay, but sometimes it's not a choice. You have to go to work or you have to go to school. Oh, my God. I remember being on the bus once coming home from college or something. And it was, like, downstairs, like, at the front. And I just kind of sat in the seat. I kept dropping off. Like, you know, your head falls forward and your head falls back. And when it does, you kind of jolt awake. I was, like, like, lolling. My head was lolling back and forth, like, me falling asleep. And I was trying to stay awake, trying to stay awake. And all of a sudden, I opened my eyes. And there's, like, she wasn't even, like, old. She was, like, 50-something, maybe. Sitting opposite me. Like, not just staring at me, but she stuck her head out and then kind of stared at me. And she just went really loud, tired, like this. Right. And I was like... Like mocking you? No, like, you tired? But she was like, tired. Oh, right. And I was like, yeah. And then I like, <laughs> fell back to sleep. And every time I opened my eyes, she was just kind of staring at me. Oh, my God. It was really creepy. How did you go back to sleep if you had this creepy... I don't know. ...serial killer woman <laughs> looking at your organs to harvest? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I'm so tired. Are you tired, love? Also, have you got a functioning liver? <laughs> Just asking for a friend. Yeah, I would never do that. And I would always chastise you for... Yeah. You put yourself in... Like, when you'd go on the train for long journeys, you are very laissez-faire about falling asleep on the train. Which is just so dangerous. So dangerous. I know. I'm not really laissez-faire. It's more like what I keep saying. I'm so tired I can't stay awake. You've no. gone to sleep on the train before when we're together. Yeah, when we're together and I'm sitting, like, blocking access to you. So I know that yeah, no one's going to, like, backflip over me to get to you. <laughs> you have to wake me up. Yeah. But yeah, I'll do it if I'm there with you. But... I wouldn't do it, but I don't think I'd do it if I was there alone. 
I think if you were super tired, if you if you'd been me, you'd been at a three day convention, so you're already exhausted, and then you spent the last night awake all night. I think you would have fallen asleep. I as get well. why you were tired. I'm not saying that you weren't very, very dog tired. I'm just saying you're basically saying like, oh, it's going to happen. You're going to fall asleep, and I'm saying someone a best case scenario could rob you, or b could like grope you or attack you oh or God. do something. I have a train story. <laughs> It's not this about podcast is going to be called Sammy Storytime. It's not about falling asleep, but it is linked into conventions. I was Can you on... connect with me on LinkedIn, by the way? I forgot to ask. <laughs> I've only got four connections. <laughs> I, for a minute, I thought you were being serious. <laughs> I don't even have a LinkedIn. Um, Imagine that. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. I was on the way to a convention in Blackpool. Of all places, I know UK people are probably thinking... But a couple of the organisers would have the conventions in Blackpool because there was a hotel <clears throat> where it could hold thousands of people. And so when it was like a really big convention, that's where they'd have it. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I was going to a convention in Blackpool <clears throat> and I was going on my own and meet my friend there. And so I was waiting here at the train station because this is when we lived here years ago. And... I remember, you know, when like, I walked across the platform trying to find a seat to sit. And I remember something being weird about this guy. Like, either he moved to sit next to me or I moved and then he moved again to sit yeah. next to me. And I thought it was really weird. Um, it was giving you creeper vibes. Yeah, it was very strange. He was like a middle-aged guy. Anyway, so I get on the train and I'm just about to get settled. Like, I've got my sandwich out and my crisps. Like, I'm having a little packed lunch. And I see a guy a couple of seats ahead, but across the aisle. The same guy from the platform. Stand up in his seat, looking around. I thought, maybe to see if there was a better seat that he could switch to. Um, And I was like, that's weird. But again, I, I thought nothing of it because I was like, what's going to happen? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I thought even if it's going to happen, I think really bad's going to happen. I didn't let my mind go to the bad place. So I just carried on eating my sandwich. Then all of a sudden I feel him sit next to me. And he's like, it's okay, it's okay. And he, sh- and he shows me, he's like out of film and he shows me his police badge. Right. And I'm like... Okay, like I suddenly like stiffen and like become very alert and I'm like, what is going on? You're very aware of the 15 kilograms of cocaine <laughs> that you've got taped around your midsection. Sure, yeah. And Makes sense. He says who he is. I can't, Johnny it Policeman. Like, it was a bit of a blur. Like he says who he is basically, like his name and stuff. And then he's like, I just want to ask you a few questions. It was like, is this you? And he shows me a photo, like an A4 or like a 10 by 8, like colour photo from like a CCTV. And I swear to fucking God, it's me. Or like for a second, I'm like, that is me. Yeah. Why are you showing me a photo of myself? Did you say that? No, but like... Because that would be very bad. Well, no, I did incriminating. say... Just let me tell the fucking story. <laughs> she had... I had this cute little like spring kind of like jacket like red jacket and like a purple knit like hat and like i don't know she was the same build as me she was like a chubby girl she had the same hair she had a little red coat on i swear to god for a second i was about to say yes that is me 
It was your doppelganger. I took it from him and I was like, no, but I can see why you think it is. I said, it said something like that. I can see why you think it is, but no, it's not. And I think he asked me for ID and I had, because you have to show ID when you register for the convention, I had my passport with me. So I show, I think I showed him my passport and, and then he asked me a few questions. He was like, do you make this journey very often? And I was like, no, I'm going to an event. I've never been yeah. like on this train, this journey before. Um, and he was like, oh, okay. Basically, he then went on to tell me about this woman, right. how she was like stealing credit cards or something. Um, and I was like, okay. And the only way they could catch her was mid-train journey? <laughs> I guess was she fleeing to Mexico? <laughs> I guess they were trying to catch her on one of. I mean, the way he asked me about do I take this journey often or whatever, she must like do. They must have caught her taking that journey several times or something, and they were trying to. But isn't that so weird? How someone can like maybe in real life standing next to me, she might not have looked like me. But with a but, grainy CCTV But with, like, a image. grainy, the same type of clothes, the same build, the same kind of chubby face or whatever, she, it really did look like me. Um, but that's creepy. That's really creepy. Anyway, so he was just like, yeah, she's just wanted for, like, stolen money or credit cards or something. And the funny thing and is, then, you are actually, like, a credit card fraud kingpin. <laughs> So it's like the weirdest coincidence. It's serendipity of anything. Yeah. And then he was like, you'll get something about this in the mail. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess like a statement he to say that you He just sends you stolen stopped. credit cards. I never got one. It's entrapment. Yeah, I never got one. That's how they get you. But that's how my weekend away started. Yeah. So whatever the whole weekend, that was to the Elwood convention. But uh, You know what? I don't know why, but these like commuting stories have reminded me of this really weird basically unconnected story apart from that it's public transport do you remember i told you one time i was waiting for a bus and this was years and years ago i think i was probably like 17 or 18 in the middle of the town center in the city that i lived my hometown and this was a very popular bus route so there's lots of people waiting for it and i noticed that there were these they, they kind of stuck out like a sore thumb because the older guy who I realized was the dad, was very well-dressed, like in expensive, like clearly expensive tailored clothes. I think it may have been a suit, I can't remember. But he kind of stuck out a little bit, so I noticed him. And then the bus finally comes, we all pile on, and I'm like one person behind this guy, so I've got a clear view of, of when they get on the bus. Him and the younger guy, who was, I'm guessing was his son, they get on, they go, to, they stand next to the little driver booth. I don't know what you want to call it. The little place where the driver sits and then there's like a window door mm. and like a little box for you to put your change in for your yeah. fare. And the guy's like, how does this work? And the bus driver's like, whatever, you know, it's 180, mate. Or whatever he says. And the guy's like, oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. He just takes out a 20 pound note and like folds it and like slots it into the thing (laughs) and uh, this thing is made for coins it's made for you to put coins in so they fall down and so the 20 pound note just like slots in but doesn't go down into the thing like anyone could have just grabbed it after him and he's like yeah so and then he just walks onto the bus and i was like this is like some weird out of touch 
clueless rich guy from a cartoon who doesn't understand how buses work. Who just wants to take his kid on an adventure. This is he's like, let me show you how poor people live. <laughs> oh no, I don't but, have any of those round metal discs that you poor people use. <laughs> the common occurrency. That's so weird. I've always remembered that. that. It's such a weird it. story, but I just remember thinking like, this is so bizarre. And like, this is a story that I'm going to retell many a time. It makes you think what stories people have about you. Something yeah, you did. I do think that sometimes. Something you did or some, like, maybe they saw you every day and wondered about you or whatever. Partly that is paranoia, though, because whenever you do have like a weird, awkward moment in public, I think the first thing your mind always goes to is like, everyone's looking at me. Everyone's thinking, how weird is that guy doing that stupid thing? They're going to tell this to their friends and laugh at my expense. But in reality, nine times out of ten, no one knows what just happened. Everyone is completely oblivious to why this was significant. I feel you took it. Like, just go on with your day. Yeah, I feel like you took it to the negative place. I was more so just thinking people seeing you and wondering about you like I remember when I was little it was like when I first started going to school on my own I think I was like 11 or something and even before that when I was with my mom or my my uncles or whatever taking me to school I remember always we'd be on the bus and we'd always stop at the same stop and a woman who I think was a nurse based on her outfit um would get on the bus and she always had a smile on her face. She wasn't like smiling at random people. She was just had a, her her default face was a smile. And I just saw her every day get on at the same stop, always a smile on her face. And then obviously one day when I didn't go to that school anymore, I didn't see her. But I always wondered about her. Like, what's her deal? Was she really happy? Was that like? What just if she just won of... the lottery and she was wearing that smile all day because? And she was taking the bus. Yeah, that's all she knows. Yeah, she's sure. been conditioned to think that that's the only way to transport yourself, even though she just won one hundred and fifty million. I always think about her. Not I always think about her. <laughs> Late <laughs> I mean, at night, just before I fall asleep, I've I remember rem- smiley nurse. <laughs> I've always remembered her, and I like now and then will think she's of a her. mystery. It wrapped was in a, an enigma funnily enough it was along like that main road there yeah. that she would get on the bus so in my mind i'm like does she still live what if i bump into her 20 years later you finally go up to her and you say i've got to know uh, i've been wondering for 20 years why do you smile constantly i feel like <laughs> that wasn't even that weird what <laughs> i said i say you're like saying something strange i'm like um, a human commentary track yeah that's just how switch, it works. I'm going to switch you off. Okay, I'm muted from um, now on. Mute. <laughs> yeah, you don't like it, do you? I the silence you is You were literally mute for one second. <laughs> I feel like I wouldn't know what she looked like now. I feel like, because it's been like 20 years, I feel like she would look completely different. Your mind does distort faces after a while. Yeah, she probably didn't really look how I remembered her looking. Especially with the smile and the hat on. I'm pretty sure she had a hat on. I probably won't recognize her. There is like a specific number or like a range of number of like faces that you can actually remember like accurately. And once you reach that number, you either have to kind of replace one of the old faces that is you've that memorized. True? I think I heard that somewhere. It's got to be a lot of faces though. Yeah. Because like there are lots of different people in that there are some people who've lived in the same place all their life. And so they're, 
presumably seeing the same, especially if they live in like a small town, they're presumably seeing the same people over and over again. Yeah, with the odd new people thrown in. Whereas, like, and I've talked briefly about this before, in the city, I feel like I only ever saw like two people more than once. Everyone else was completely new. And this is like walking around our area in the city. Like even our neighbours, you would rarely see them more than once. Yeah, that is weird. That is weird. Living in London is like that though. You go past 10,000 people a day, even if you're just walking down the street to whatever. I wonder if what I'm saying is really true or because you're seeing so many more people pass you by than anywhere else you're unable to memorize their faces the way you would normally. Like if I went to the shop here one day and I saw a guy and the next time I went to the shop and I saw the same guy, I'm going to definitely remember. But if I'm seeing that same guy in a mix of 300 people, I might not see yeah, him. that makes sense. So I wonder if it's actually true. I mean, I'm quite, especially with my hypervigilance, I like feel like I see everything. Which obviously isn't true, but like I see a lot. Like some people aren't; they're much more like tunnel vision. Yeah. Like when they're out. Um. So I do feel like I would remember, but yeah, you just might not be able to, like you said. Strange. So yeah, we took a little breaky break so that I could pee. Uh, I was like, "What are you talking about?" And then I just realized what you're talking. About. How are you confused? I don't know. You were we like, took "We a took a break. break," and I'm like. Where do we go? I must break him. <laughs> That's a quote from Rocky Four. Yeah. Not that you would know. Rocky Four? You goddamn boxing movie philistine. Of all the Rockies, why are you watching Rocky Four? Rocky Four's a good one with Ivan Drago. That's Rocky Four? Yeah. That's the best one. Yeah. How are you so confused What's about Rocky this? What's Rocky One then? Who does he fight in Rocky One? Apollo Creed at the Who end. Who does he fight in Rocky Two? I think he fights Apollo Creed again. I can't remember. It's been a long time. Rocco 3. Rocco 3. Rocco 3. Rocco's Merlin Life. I don't know what that is, but I'm sure it's good. (sighs) Fucking useless. In Rocky 3, he fights Mr. T, if you can believe it. Oh, God. Rocky 4 is the best. Yeah. Ivan Drago, whatever his name is, is the best one. Dolph Lundgren, right? Yeah. Yeah. Rocky 4 is good, Rocky 4 is the only Rocky anyone should be concerned with, quite honestly. (laughs) There's this great scene at, like, the beginning of the movie the Russian scientists are showing off like Ivan Drago yeah. to the press or something. I forget what it is, but they're like a normal heavyweight hits with like 500 blank of force. And then like Ivan Drago who's like this roided up, like completely shredded, like tall, just, he's just a beast of a man. He like slams his fist into this like punching bag attached to like a, some kind of thing that measures force. And it shows on the screen. It's like 800 and everyone's like, oh, my God, they've made a monster. <laughs> and the subtext, obviously, is that the Russians have, like, used steroids and stuff to, like, create this perfect Ugh. specimen of a, of a boxer. Yeah. This superhuman Soviet destroyer. It's a good film. We should rewatch it. Which is the best Die Hard movie? That's kind of a lateral move. but How many are there? Uh, Die Hard 1, Die Hard 2, Die Hard 3. In terms of the 80s. I don't. I wasn't around in the eighties, so how okay, would I know? Okay, but all the newer ones. I don't care about the newer I ones. I also think it was early nineties. What happens in the first one? That's when Nakatomi Plaza, the big 
skyscraper building gets taken over by like this group of mercenaries that want to rob the vault. And what happens in the second one? In the second one, Bruce Willis is in, or I should say John McClane, is in the airport and he gets taken over by terrorists for some reason. I can't remember. And what remember. was the third one? Third one's real good. Is that the Samuel L. Jackson yeah, one? Yeah, third one's underrated. That's when he partners with Samuel L. Jackson, who's like this stoic kind of like been there, done that, like tired of the world and tired of the police and tired of the white man, like um, guy. And they team up to, what is it? Yeah, there's like this mastermind who's like planning to rob Fort yeah. Knox or something so like that. So what's or your favourite? Not Fort Knox, like this gold vault that has like tons and tons of gold bars. And then Die Hard 4, which again is underrated, is with Justin Long. I like that one. Where Timothy Oliphant is trying to hack the US yeah. and shut I it like down. Because I like Justin Long and I like Timothy yeah. Oliphant. And then we don't talk about Die Hard 5. Which one's that one? We don't talk about it. All right. So you wouldn't know. What's your favourite Die Hard of the 80s though? One, two, or three? I wasn't around in the 80s. Okay, I mean I of the first ones. What's your favourite Die Hard It has to be Die Hard 1. Die Hard 1 is like... Is that the Christmas party? Yeah. Uh, okay. Die Hard 1 is like a perfect ho, action movie. Ho, ho. That one? Yeah, ho. Ho, ho, now I have a machine gun. <laughs> yeah, like Die Hard it. 1 rocks. Probably Die Hard 1, Die Hard 3, Die Hard 4. And then Are we you trying to put them in order? And then we don't talk about Die Hard 5. Oh, Die Hard 5 is just... Who's in Die Hard 5? It made five? me just so sad. The guy who plays his son, I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah. It's so bad. And the car falls out the window or something. I don't know. It was really then hard. they go to Chernobyl. It's like a waste. Yes. Oh, I was just going to say it's so, like a wasteland. so bad. I, what, I watched. He's I literally Squad, can barely know. even remember what happened in it. But as I was watching it, I was just thinking like, I'll never watch this movie yeah, again. Yeah, we watched that together. That was terrible. If I live to be like Methuselah, like <laughs> 340 years old, I will never watch this movie again. It is yeah. an atrocity. Is that the last one? Yeah. It should be the last one. No, because I feel I I have that kind of foolish mentality where I'm like, I want them to end the series right. Do one more, but make it good this time. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Bruce Willis is getting on in years. Let's be honest. I think he's past getting on. It was getting on when they did that one. That's true, And getting yeah. on when they did four. Yeah. That's the problem with action movie franchises when the main guy, the protagonist, gets, like, into his older years. They always try and transition it into, like, now he's teaching this younger guy. Yeah. Like, with Indiana Jones, the one that we don't uh, talk about, where the, he gets into the, the lead-lined fridge and oh. he survives an atomic blast. That one. What the fuck? Yeah, he's, like, teaching Shia LaBeouf how to be, like, a... You know, archaeologist come adventurer, and it's just horrendous. Yeah. Did you? So you watched that? Knowledge was their treasure. Was it really? Because I was hoping for some actual treasure. Because you're a treasure hunter, <laughs> but whatever. I can't believe you're able to quote it. Yeah, I. Yeah, uh, I went. To, I think I went to the cinema to see it. If you can believe it. Yeah. That, I'm I, a big indie you fan. You are. So. Yeah, I guess. You are a big indie fan. But yeah, that film just blew. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf swinging through the jungle with monkeys on vines. Oh, God. I'm literally not exaggerating even one iota. That happens. You're so serious I right really now. That film... <laughs> I know it's like a cliche to, like, shit on that film, but it's really bad. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's just... Not as bad as Die Hard 5. Don't get me wrong. 
Die Hard Five is what they show at like Guantanamo Bay. Just on repeat. Oh, I got political there. You don't want to get political. (laughs) You want to keep it in this nice, fuzzy general talk. Let's talk about Obama, huh? He said he was going (laughs) to... It just changed into an Obama bashing podcast. I like it when you make yourself laugh. Yeah. That's the best kind. Okay, give me the first topic. Yeah, so we move on to the first topic finally. So, the first topic is based on kind of two interlinked articles on the New York Times. And these are from like a year or two ago, but I'll explain how... I stumbled across them. The first one is an essay entitled To Fall in Love with Anyone, Do This. And this woman writes about an experiment where this guy had these two people who had never met, complete strangers, a man and a woman, come into a room, sit down facing each other, and then ask each other these 36 questions that are like progressively more revealing that make you have to be more and more vulnerable in front of the other person. And then after you've answered all the questions, you stare into each other's eyes for four minutes, like without talking. And the idea was, can we kind of artificially force two people to fall in love by just making them be vulnerable in front of the other person, make them open up to the other person. And the experiment apparently worked because they were married six months later. And so this woman is talking about A, that experiment, and then B, when she tried out the questions on a first date and it ended up working out because she ended up with the guy. It's kind of, it's not that great. It's it's an interesting kind of like blog post type Mm. article where there's kind of like also these little meditations on what it means to be vulnerable in front of another person whether you can have kind of artificial superficial vulnerability and whether that is a good facsimile of the real thing that type of thing so there's that and then there's a second article which is simply entitled the 36 questions that lead to love which just reprints the questions themselves. And so I thought it'd be fun if we went through and asked each other these questions. Even though we're already in love. Yeah. Well, that's why I've cut it down to like 20-something of them. A, because the original experiment is supposed to take like two hours or something, and we Mm. don't have that long for a single topic. And B, because some of the questions aren't really applicable because we already know each other. We're not complete strangers. Mm. And also C, some of the questions we probably wouldn't want to answer on the podcast. Some of them are kind of very personal. Or some of them are just very trite, like questions that are just so boring that Mm. you wouldn't want to waste time on. So yeah, I cut it down to like the premium list of these questions. Oh yeah, and the way I came across this was, even though it was originally printed like two years ago i saw someone do these questions on a podcast type thing Uh. and that's what brought it to my attention and then i looked it up because i thought the idea behind this experiment was kind of interesting so yeah so we start with the questions yeah the interrogation yeah i just ask you the questions i don't answer them so the first question is given the choice of anyone in the world whom and i like the use of whom there even though i'm not brave enough to use it in casual conversation (laughs) whom would you want as a dinner guest which is a good question it's a very kind of hackneyed yeah fun question question, but it's it's one of those that everyone always gets asked but it's a good one you can only pick one person like throughout history so many answers for this yeah because it's like do i go for the like 
Jesus. Philosophical answer. Do I go for like, who am I the biggest fan of answer? Or, you know, like, however, one of the people that brings to mind is Marilyn Monroe. Sure. And I have such a love-hate relationship with my love for Marilyn Monroe. Wow, that's meta. Purely because I feel like most people book at that whole kind of like, if something's popular, they don't want to like it anymore because it's popular. Yeah. And obviously there was a period not that long ago where it was like she was back in style again and there was like Marilyn Monroe everything. And I kind of cringed at that, you know, a little bit. Um, Stop liking what I like. Yeah, so I'm trying to get over that because I do have like this deep like fascination with her. Um, so that comes to mind. Um, another one is should, should we just give one or should we do that? If you've like, got like several, if you've got like a few, like you know, another one is Francesca Woodman, who was a photographer who killed herself at a really young age. She's my favorite photographer. I would have liked to have had dinner with her. Now, would you talk to her about photography because you have that in no. common, or you just talk about what? I probably Trump probably and the talk Russia about our mental health. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I would probably also talk about my mental health with Marilyn. This is a I'd heavy pro- dinner. I'd probably have the same conversation with each person. And what kind of dinner would you have with them? I feel like no one ever thinks about that, but would you have like a sit down, like eight course tasting menu? Francesca Woodman, it would be like something at home. Right. Marilyn Monroe, maybe we'd like hire somewhere out and it'd just be me. Oh, wow. Swanky. Yeah. She's got that power because A, she's Marilyn Monroe. And B, she's come back from the dead. And B, she's resurrected (laughs) somehow. So that's going to be a big news story. Is there anyone else that uh, jumps I to could mind? think of people, but let's just leave it. You could it. get like super duper lovey dovey girlfriend points and just be like, the only person I want to have dinner with is you. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you do it. Yeah. So, You're yeah. not going to say me though. No, I'm not. I'm not. I don't need any more boyfriend points. I'm maxed out. <sighs> I had to get a second boyfriend points card because I'd already maxed out the yeah. first rewards card. Sure. God, rewards card sounds. One? When you get it stamped, just show that you've got rewards. Do you stamp it with your butt? Oh, I was thinking like a like a credit card that you top up with points. Uh, okay. You were thinking of like get when you go to a coffee stamps. shop and it's like get yeah. eight stamps and you get like a free small cup. It's always like the crappiest the reward. Tool. Get a small coffee. But look, if it's no free, milk. it's better than nothing. Yeah. So I think my answer is probably yes, obvious Yes, I know you. what you're going to say. Given that I have pretty much everything he's ever written on my shelf. Yeah. But I would want to have dinner with Christopher Hitchens. A, because he's the writer who's inspired me most. Like, whose work I love the most. Like, I've read... I'm basically reading everything he's ever wrote. And I'm very close to the end of that. And I've been reading him since I was, like, a young teenager. And it's also the type of thing where I've read several of his books, like multiple times i can it's almost like you know how you have those tv shows where you can just jump into any part of it Mm. because you love it so much that you can just jump into like a random episode if i'm just like sitting around and i'm in between books or i don't want to go to the book i'm reading i will sometimes just crack open one of his books of essays and just read a random one and it doesn't matter whether it's like in the 80s and he's talking about some super specific foible of the reagan administration or whether it's recently and it's his atheism rants like 
I just find him endlessly readable yeah. and interesting and fascinating. And you've like watched and listened to every interview he's ever yeah. done. Like I've seen, I sometimes look over it and you're watching like an interview from like 1985 or something. Yeah. And he looks completely different and he's got like one of his like old crappy yeah. ill-fitted suits on. I really enjoy his appearances on C-SPAN. Yeah. If you go back and if you go onto their like video library online, you can search by like person and you can find like every appearance he did. That's cool. They're like surprisingly good, even though it's like, you know, uh, people say that C-SPAN is like super boring and dry and whatever. But and I'm sure that not many people, even fans of his will go back and watch them. But they are like super interesting moments throughout his life. Uh Hi, hi, Chris Hutchinson. Can oh, I yeah. ask you a question? <laughs> it's so funny that you know that because I rant about it so much when I watch them. So many like of these like oblivious American callers would call in and be like, "Hi, I got a question for what's that guy, Chris Hutchins, Chris Hutchinson, uh, Chris Hitch- Hitchinson." And like the, you could make like a supercut of all the times people called in. Is it and just Americans? You misspoke think? his name. I think so. Yeah. Well, most of the time it is Americans calling into C-SPAN. No, I mean, like, it didn't happen, like, in other interviews and stuff when he was, like, here or whatever. Not really, no. It was mostly, like, an American thing. Well, the other thing is that he he hated when people called him Chris. Chris, yeah. Which, and it's the funny thing is, like, earlier on in, in his life in his career he would actually make a point of saying it's christopher when someone would say it's chris it's funny how you notice these little things when you really like are interested in consuming what a person has done throughout their life and then later on in his life you can sometimes see him visibly wince but he won't always like you know he wanted i think he was more kind of over it or sometimes he just wanted to be polite so he wouldn't say it So, yeah, I'm a Christopher Hitchens fanboy through and through, and I'd love... Well, the other thing is, you know, we were alive at the same time, but I never got, like... Yeah. You couldn't have met Marilyn Monroe because she died before you were born, but I could have met Christopher Hitchens. I just, you know, when I... He obviously died when I was younger, and when I was a young teenager, even though I was reading him a lot... I didn't realize what a big impact he was going to have on my thinking and my writing and the way I look at things. I think he died just basically as you were realizing that. Yeah. And so if I'd known it, I would have made sure. Like if I could go back, I'd obviously make sure I went to a book signing or I went to an event he did or something. But because I missed out on the opportunity, even though our lives kind of overlapped, that is one of those things that I think a small part of me will always regret. And so for this question, it really would be like, yes, I finally get to rectify this mistake, this missed opportunity. And so, yeah, I would love to just sit down and basically like, see, the weird thing is I'd have to pretend like if you met a famous person that you were like really like fascinated by and you'd read all their things or watched all their movies or whatever it is, seen all their interviews. You'd almost have to kind of pretend you didn't know all that stuff. Yeah, because it's weird. You will come off as like an obsessive you stalkerish fan. You don't want to be the obsessive fan who knows everything about him. You want there to be a balance of like, now let's have a proper conversation. He would start telling stories and I'd have to pretend I haven't heard it's the, first time the story heard about it. Margaret Thatcher spanking him with a rolled up paper a oh hundred times before. I'd have yeah. to laugh at the punchline as if I don't know it I'm already. sure you would because he'd be telling it to you face to face but yeah that that would be awesome yeah 
But yeah, alas, Aww. it's not to be. Maybe in some kind of secular afterlife. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. So we move on to the next question. Yeah. See, the funny thing is I don't really have a second answer. Like, there's lots of people I'd like to meet. There's other writers. If I look at my shelf, like, there's lots of but other no writers. no one like him. There's no. no one like him that you would have wanted to meet. He's, like, the, the most influential person on my writing, on, on, on me as a person. Yeah. As, like, you know, out of any kind of public figure. Um, so the second question is, this is kind of a... Like this list of questions is kind of interesting because it's not really it doesn't have like a unifying theme it really like bounces between like very different types of questions some are like very light-hearted and kind of weird and others are like very serious like you're on a therapist couch and they're like asking you probing questions about your childhood and you're like do you have kleenex here i'm starting to weep I said this as you started to yawn. I just like stifle my laugh. I had you hostage. Yeah. I could say whatever I wanted because you were too busy yawning. Okay, so the second question is, would you like to be famous? In what way? So that's kind of a... They snuck in two questions in there. In what way? Okay. Um, yes. Okay. Not necessarily in the way of like a celebrity, but I'd like to be known, famous in terms of my writing. Right. Like I'd like people to know I was an author and that I would like people to have read my books. Yeah. That's what I want. And then on a secondary level, I'd even like people to know my photography, but like mostly the writing. So, yeah. I'd like to be successful like that. Like, I wouldn't want to be like... Well, I can't say I wouldn't want to be, because that's silly. I'm sure... Because I was going to say I wouldn't necessarily want to be like a J.K. Rowling. She's kind of like a modern-day classic author, if you know what I mean. Like, that's what the classic novel is now. It's like... um, Sadly, yes. So I was going to say I wouldn't want to be like that. Or like an E.L. James, where they're so rich now and so everyone knows who they are, even if they don't like Harry Potter or Fifty Shades of But do of they Grey. know what E.L. James looks like? Yeah, she's she at first she didn't do interviews, but now she does. Um, but I would obviously, if that came to me, I wouldn't avoid that happening. Like I wouldn't run away from it. But what I what I think about when I think about it, I don't think about being that rich and that famous because I think in my mind I want to believe I can actually achieve what I'm um lusting after yeah. if you if you will and so you know when it's time for me to publish my first book I want to think it can have a level of success that to me is like outstanding yeah but, like, when you compare it to, like, a J.K. Rowling, it's not anything like yeah, that. it's all relative. But in terms of, like, do I have, like, money to pay rent? And Some people my, know about me. And I know my book has sold however many copies. Right. That's, like, to me, if a hundred of my of books... <laughs> I know that sounds silly, but, like... A hundred people If I even got word, to, like, a yeah. hundred sales, that would be amazing. But I'm sure once I get to a hundred, I'll be, like... Now it'd be better yeah. if it was a thousand and so on. But um Baby steps. But yes, I want to be able Okay, actually this is how I'm gonna say it. Strike that from the record. In what way do I want to be fa- like famous? I want to be f- famous enough to not have to worry about paying rent. 
to live where I want to live, which is in London or New York, and also to not necessarily have to worry about getting my book published. Like, I want to be one of those where it's like, my first book was published, and because it was so successful, it's like you, you know automatically that, yeah. will get your second one published. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's the kind of fame as I want to be. Yeah, I get that. That's kind of like the utility of fame. Like, you want to use fame for, like, this, that, and the other thing. I want to just be able to live without not having to worry about paying yeah. rent, basically. I want to live where I want to live, which is in a big city, and I want to not worry about things so I can just be. I right. can just write, and I can just be, and I can just survive, Yeah, you know? So what about you? Yeah, it's weird because famous quote-unquote has become like a bad word like the term itself has become solid when you think about someone who wants to become famous you think about someone who's very you know i mean you just instinctively picture someone who's very self-centered very superficial who you know has become brainwashed by celebrity culture and who wants to become famous to be famous like that is their end goal it is a end in itself for them and i will just interject and say i think i was a little bit using famous synonymously with successful yeah i think you were um but the two tend like but maybe in, not in my in a field like me you'll you if you're successful yeah you become technically known. you're famous because you become known yeah. and that's what i was trying to say the level of famous right. i don't necessarily need to be like a jk rowling or whatever I don't know why I fixated on her. I think it's like she's not- the most famous yeah, author right now. Yeah, I read an article about it as well the other day, so maybe that's why. Um, carry on. Yeah, so I don't want to become famous. Like, I can say that for sure. I've never wanted to be famous. Like, when you hear those stories of people who can't leave their house, because A, yeah, that sounds like hell. there's paparazzi hordes outside, like, waiting to siege your domicile. And also, you know, when you walk down the street, people will flag you down for a picture or they want to talk to you, whatever. Like, that sounds like hell to me. Like, I like to be very under the radar in all aspects of my life. I like to be able to pass through situations without attracting notice. Like, I don't like to be the center of attention, that type of thing. So I don't think I'd like to be quote-unquote famous. But the success that I'm aspiring towards, like you said is for my writing to become published like again and again to create a career for myself as a writer to put books out there that people read and that people want to read and talk about and stuff like that and i think like you said just as an inevitable byproduct of becoming a quote-unquote successful working author you are going to become known at least in the small circles of like whatever genre you're Mm. writing in like if i was to become a successful science fiction writer like people in the science fiction world would know me but johnny average man walking down the street doesn't know who the hell i am that i think i would be perfectly happy with like the type of thing where if you went to a say a convention to bring it back to what we were saying earlier that was for that specific genre of fiction then people would recognize you but in any other situation people wouldn't know you by your face or your name like that type of quote-unquote fame yeah i would be completely okay with it's not something that i actively want because like i said i don't like to have people's eyes on me i don't like to be um the thing that attracts attention like i like to be very incognito in situations but you have to kind of accept that if you get to a certain stage 
of familiarity with your readership like you have a lot of people reading you they've read several things by you so that you know you have you know you're in their mind share you as, have like actual i fans. know this person yeah. yeah then i think that's just kind of unavoidable so yeah I'd be, I'd be fine with that and like you said there is obviously those kind of secondary perks of like if you become known as an author like it becomes easier for you to publish your next piece and yeah. so on and so forth it becomes like a snowball effect where it keeps getting easier and the projects you're able to work on keep getting more high profile and interesting and that type yeah. of thing so that i would be very interested in taking advantage of but like i said only as kind of like a follow-on benefit yeah the thing itself doesn't really like i i'm not lusting after yeah it. i don't want to be successful in writing so i can be famous yeah. i want almost become famous because i'm successful yeah you want it to be a marker of your success you want it to be like the high water mark if you've been able to say i achieved my goals and here is like you know this kind of tertiary evidence of what i did like it's on the peripheral um so yeah we're both kind of aligned on that i want someone to study me (laughs) (laughs) if i'm honest like in years time like maybe when i'm dead or whatever I want at some point someone has to do like an assignment on something. They get to choose who they get to do it on, and someone picks me to do it on. Yeah, I I can't say I feel the same way, but I can <laughs> see the appeal of that. I don't. I wouldn't. You know, the thing they always say is the if you write like a classic novel, quote unquote, the last thing that you want is for it to become like required reading across like the school system yeah. of whatever country you're in. Yeah. No, I that you're right i wouldn't because want then that people end up resenting the fact that they had to read your novel in like you know high yeah because school. i feel like that's never anyone's favorite novel sometimes because, you find yeah, your like maybe favorite. if it's like an uber like an uber classic yeah like in the america like a catcher in the rye type of situation but yeah but like no i wouldn't want that in terms of like the required reading just like maybe at like a university level they could choose to yeah, study you because like, you're I did, like, notable yeah yeah, like going back to the earlier question, I did my dissertation on several women and one of them was Francesca Woodman. And so she was one of my favourite yeah. artists and I studied her. Um, so that's the type of situation I'm talking about. Someone has to do like a dissertation or an assignment at like a university level. They get to pick who they want to do it on. Maybe they're like doing like a literature course or something. And then they choose me to sit it. Like, that would be cool. I know I'll be dead, but, like... <laughs> yeah, that that would be strange. I mean, not even just as, to have it as required reading, but when I was in university and I would be able to pick, like, whatever text I wanted to write, you know, an essay on, um, writing, like, really analysing and scrutinising a text and then, like trying to dissect it for a long essay you're working on, it really can sap your enjoyment of the work itself. You don't realise it at the time, but it can be quite perilous in terms of you can slowly, insidiously start to degrade your enjoyment of the work itself because you're starting to look at it underneath a microscope. And so I'd almost not want people who enjoyed my work to do that because i know how it can backfire in a strange mental way 
Yeah, I kind of see what you're saying because I have a degree in photography and I I did that without knowing I was going to be a writer, if that makes sense. Like, I found writing while I was at university almost because I was having such a shit time at university. I hated it so much. Not the photography aspect, although it did make me hate photography um, for a short while. Um, Which is a tragedy. Yeah, it is. Like, I thought that was going to be my life. I was going to be a photographer. And... I just had such a horrible time. It made me not want to take pictures. Not take pictures in the sense that, like, this is going to kind of go into something we're going to talk about later, but (laughs) I take pictures of everything. So it wasn't that type of picture-taking I wanted to stop. It was, like, it was the photographer in me that didn't want to do any more, like, conceptual pieces. I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to do that, and I stopped kind of, I stopped picking up my camera I would still take photos on my phone and like snap here there and everything but like I I stopped sort of like striving to be that person because you associated it with those bad memories yeah and for a few years after the degree I didn't even pick up my camera like yeah that sucks yeah so I can totally see that like if you're having a shit time or it either your your passion becomes work Right. I can see how you would then, you know, because I did it. I even now, like, I totally fell into like writing. That's what I see as my main goal in life as like to like be a published like author and, you know. Yeah. Going back to like this, if you're famous, like, if I got kind of like so successful, I was a bit famous. I think I would then like to have a show. My photo- <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I sometimes see... By a show, you mean, like, <clears throat> an exhibit. Yeah, yeah. Like, I sometimes see, like, famous people... <sighs> One of David Beckham's kids, who's, like, 17, he's about to go to uni, has got a photography book. Right. Like, someone... He wants to be a photographer. He's about to go to uni to be a photographer. And because he's David Beckham's son... Someone was like, I'll publish your photos. Like, and so I often see things like that. Or this actor or that actor that has like a hobby of being a photographer has a show. And I'm like, I want to be that. Like, I want to be able, like, because photography has become almost now like a hobby. Yeah. Instead of being like the main thing. If I did get successful at, like, writing, I think I would do that. I would have, like, a show just as, like, a side thing. Oh, so you're saying you would, like, parlay your success in writing to, like, now I get to use my name value to, like, to get, I get just myself get a, show, a photography yeah. exhibition? Yeah. I know, obviously, you can hire places and put on your own ex- Yeah, you can do whatever you want. But it would be author such and such yeah, has yeah. a show, and that would kind of, like, you know, God, listen to me. I just <laughs> had a weird thought. If I, this is a weird thing, and I guess it's not really talked about because people won't be very open about it when they're in the public eye. But if you were so like well known, or I guess the the word would be notable. That's the word they mm-hmm. use. That you had a Wikipedia page. Yeah. Do you think you would go to it obsessively I to would. make sure that it was right and to make sure people weren't defacing it with insults and? falsehoods i don't know if i'd go to it obsessively but i definitely like when people say they don't google themselves 
I've Googled myself and I'm not even famous. So <laughs> it's a dangerous path to go I think down, I would though. definitely do it at least once, depending on what I came across. Obviously, I found loads of bad shit. I would then tell myself, don't ever do that again because you know you're not going to feel good. Yeah. That would probably be the type of situation that I'd be in. But you've got to make the mistake once to know. But, like, some famous people have their Google alert, like, set up. Oh, like, God, that's so dangerous. Can you imagine? Like, I just, I couldn't do that because... A constant stream of abuse. I try not to fall in love with the attention because I don't want to end up like a person like that where yeah. it's, like, I crave the attention. Yeah, I, I get that. I really just want that level of success so that I can do what I want to do and not have to worry about money. That's yeah. that's the only reason why I want to. I get it. that. It gives you a certain freedom. And obviously on a different level, I want my writing to be loved. Right. Like I'm not going to shy away from that. Like yeah. of course I want my writing to be seen by as many people as possible and I want them to love You don't it. want to become famous because people hate your writing yeah, so much no. that they that would read suck. it ironically. That's why in some ways a smaller audience is better because then it's like a smaller audience but every but everyone in that smaller yeah. audience loves it like that's better sometimes and like communicate on like yeah. a forum or something like, like that. as big as like twilight was if you're not a twilight fan you hate it right even if you haven't seen it you have like funny shit to say about it and it's like shut the fuck up like it's not for you that's fine so i don't want to be one of those like love or hate things i'd rather it just be i don't know what it is yeah. or i love it like but then in the case of twilight because there is that like see of either disdain or kind of like outright hatred for it in like the larger sphere of society as twilight fans you do get that nice sense of solidarity where you have like your little enclaves online your forums and your like places to talk about it with other like-minded people in the community sort of so you kind of bond over the fact that you're like a beleaguered minority of people who actually like this franchise yeah, sort of. And you'd think so on a more kind of like higher level. But actually, when you're deep in the fandom and you've even crossed over into like fan fiction, there's a whole portion of the audience that is like now like actually Twilight is kind of shit and I know it's I've shit. I've moved on. I've and grown the up. movies were terrible and yeah. we're writing fan fiction because we want to make it better oh, and God. blah, blah, blah. Like, there's that kind of there's that kind of portion of the fandom that's I find very annoying because for me, while because I'm kind of a bit of a book snob except for Twilight, like I don't like any other YA books. I I don't like any other kind of like fantasy. Like I have a friend who reads like all different kind of like across fantasy genres about like werewolves and dragons and fairies and things. Um, I am not into any of that. Like, and I'm kind of a book snob in that I've read several classics that I think are shit. Right. And, yeah, so I'm a bit of a book snob, actually. It, I find it very hard to find a book that I really enjoy. Um, except for Twilight. Like, I know they're <laughs> not, I know. I read War and Peace, zero out of ten. <laughs> I read Twilight, 11 out of ten. I know. I've got good taste, damn it. That Twilight is not a literary masterpiece. Yeah, of course. However, for me, and for a lot of other people, it is their favourite thing. Right. It's something they... I am rereading the Twilight books right now. I 
and will always, and I don't reread any other books. I, there's just, I don't know if it's the time it came to me in my life um, that it basically helped me survive like this really horrible time in my life. I don't know if that's why I love it so much. Um, But yeah, like my point was anyway, I can see that it's not like this literary masterpiece, but even though I can see that, doesn't mean I have to then be like, oh, it's shit, like, but no, I love it, and it's clear that I love yeah. it, and I went deep into the fandom, and I wrote fan fiction, and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't need to shit on it. It like, means something more to you than just, even just, like, this is a book series I like. It yeah. has a greater significance and yeah. value to you. Like, it has a whole group of friends, attached to it as well like online and otherwise like i met my best friend through twilight right, yeah. like there's lots of things you have personal connections that came derived with it. from it yeah yeah see this is going to be a line on your wikipedia page <laughs> samantha jones is a twilight super fan first, that question that people always get is when you first started writing well i first started writing when i wrote twilight fan oh fiction. god that's going to be... That will instantly disqualify you in so many people's minds. Yeah, but they can suck it. <laughs> See, the thing is about Wikipedia pages, you hear those stories where some celebrity will read their own page and be like, "That's that particular factoid about me is completely false. Like, it's completely made up of whole cloth. Like, it, there's just no basis whatsoever. And then they will go on and say, like, Hi, it's me, the guy whose page Have you is. seen that? I've never I've, I've seen, seen that. I've heard people tell these type of anecdotes, and they'll be like, I can tell you right now, this did not happen. But because of the way Wikipedia works, you have to have independent evidence of what you're saying is true or not true. And so because they couldn't produce like a news article or some like, you know... Like it doesn't stay on there, it gets taken off for it. Is wh- that what, what do you point? mean? No, my point is that they couldn't advocate for this change successfully uh, because they didn't have independent evidence of like okay. a bbc news story that mentions that yeah, blank yeah. because they were just saying like i am him and that didn't happen that wasn't sufficient for the <laughs> that's funny high-minded wikipedia editors can you like link a photo of yourself holding up a sign saying this fact is not true i don't know like i don't i don't get into the nuances of the wikipedia so code Okay. A thousand pages long of regulations and rules. Okay, we should move on. See, this is why I cut down the list of questions yeah. because we, we on some of them, we're going to get into like half an hour yeah, discussions. I hope people asking these on like first dates and stuff really get into it like this. They don't just be like, uh, yeah, like I'd to like meet, to meet blah, blah, blah. Martin and Luther not, King. And then not actually talk about it. I'd like to meet Gandhi. He seems like he was yeah. good. Okay. Continue. So, yeah, what question are we on? Okay, so we just did that one. Okay, so the next one is, before making a telephone call, do you ever rehearse what you're going to say? Why? That's a good question. It's a strange question to ask. You I, right, I can say it? instantly yes. Oh, I yeah, do. me too. I meant it's a strange question Strange question in terms of, like, these questions are supposed to make it's you It's very love. penetrating in terms of, like, it's such a weird thing to admit, but it's also kind of, like... It really speaks to like what type of person yeah. you are. And for me, it's just because like I don't do it when I'm talking to like my friends or family. But if I know I have to call up somewhere yeah, yeah, and yeah. like, you know, whatever it is, return a product or like I make an appointment. I think that's what it means. Like if you have to call up someone that's not like your friend or yeah. something, 
I get anxious enough that I will, my mind be like, okay, I'm going to say it this way. So like, there's no messing around. There's no way they can misinterpret what I'm saying or not get what I'm asking. Like, I'm going to think of the right way to say it. So it's to the point and it's very like direct and unambiguous because usually as well you have to speak to like three different people before you even get to the oh, person that you that. want to speak to so you have to say the same thing to each person it's like a script yeah so you do kind of have to like you want to be able to say what you need in the most like concise way there's like very li- like limited right. amount of words or sentences so that they could what i really hate as well is when you're calling up to like okay, this is my situation, so I need to talk to blah, blah, blah. And they try to cut you off before you're finished speaking. And I'm like, well, you don't know what I want, so why are you trying to interrupt me? Like, it's very frustrating. You get into sassy mode. I do get into sassy mode on the phone. You know know this. I will often be on the phone, and Ryan is, like, looking at me, doing, like, the, the hands of, like... You know, Tone it down, easy baby. does it. Turn it down. Be civil. But I'm like, you can't hear what they're saying on the. What end. are they saying to you? Are they screaming racist abuse at you? Sometimes they're actually being dipshits. Right. Like sometimes they're being so dumb, and I'm like, if you would just listen to the words that I am saying, we wouldn't be in this situation. Right. I wouldn't be calling you a dipshit. But then when you, it's like you have to maintain that baseline of almost like robotic politeness and civility because if you escalate it in any way like become more insistent or aggressive then they escalate it and they start to get rude and like but sometimes it's also the only way to get to speak to someone else right like you will be like can i speak to someone else and they'll be like they're just going to tell you what i'm going to tell you um not just someone else but also someone higher up like is the only way sometimes to kind of get past that first initial stage of like I can't help you. Yeah. I don't know what you're saying. Yeah, I hate when you get you finally get through after being on hold for like half an hour and then you you explain the whole thing like, you know, in exactly the way you've like perfected yeah. in your mind as you've been on hold. You tell them the whole thing, they listen the whole way, they're like, "Yes, yes, yes, yes." And then you finally get to the end and they're like, "Okay, so what I'm going to have to do is transfer you to this other person." And then you have to spend another half an yeah. hour on hold and be like, do the whole thing the whole over thing, and over yeah. again. And even though they're like, I'm going to ask you some security questions so you can clear, like, the whatever, then you get to the next person and they ask you the same security questions. So it's like, why yeah. did you ask me the security questions in the first place? Because they really obviously meant nothing. I demand security clearance yeah. be appended to my caller ID. So, yeah. The next question is, what would constitute a quote-unquote perfect day for you? And I think mm. this means in, like, a realistic sense, like, in your everyday life. I don't think it yeah. means, like, I win the lottery in yeah, the morning, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have sex I with thinking. a supermodel at dinner, I become the king of England at night type of thing. You know, <laughs> this is going to sound however this is going to sound, <laughs> but I feel like I live a lot of perfect days. Wow. Hashtag humble brag. Hashtag so blessed. Because we don't have nine to five jobs and we have a lot of time to just do the things that we want to do like writing being together hanging out um so that's a like a why it's perfect because straight off i'm like not having to do shitty things and then another aspect is our relationship like 
A perfect day for me is like a lot of our days. We wake up together, we have breakfast, we do our own thing for a few hours, but together. Yeah, we're on the couch. We're on the couch together. Then we'll have sex. Then we'll have dinner. Sure, in that order specifically. Work up our appetite. Yeah, then we'll like watch movies or watch TV shows together. Um, and then we'll like fall into a conversation like the podcast yeah, about that's how the something. podcast began. And then we get t- tired at the same yeah. time and then we go to sleep together. And me, like, I'm sure other people do this, but of course, everyone always thinks that they're the only ones that do it. But when we go to bed, we like then have, like, we're like, oh, okay, we're ready for bed. But we don't like go to sleep. We then talk in bed for ages and we do silly things and we have like bits and like in jokes and like. Every part of my day is then perfect. Right. Like all those steps, like, and that happens a lot. And that's what I mean by saying, like, I live my perfect day most of the time. Right. Um, there's only really a few things that can throw that off from being a perfect day. Um, so yeah, yeah. so that's my idea of a perfect day. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with you, and that is. When we do spend, like, when we don't have to do anything that day, that is our routine. And we have settled into that because we both really enjoy that sequence of, like, this is how we spend our day yeah. together. Um, so, yeah, I, I would basically just echo that sentiment. Like, for me, I like, in terms of talking about the times when I'm doing my own thing, like, you know, those specific blocks. I like when, you know, I get to play video games Especially if I've got a video game that I'm, like, excited to play. Mm. Like, a lot of times I'll just play games that I'm kind of met on because I'll listen to podcasts as I'm playing them to kind of make yeah. them better. So I kind of entertain myself in two different ways. Um, but I like when I have a game I'm really excited to, like, sit down and play some more of because either, you know, the gameplay is really great or the story is really fascinating or I just really enjoy existing in that world yeah. for a couple of hours. Um, I like when I get some writing done during the yeah. day. <laughs> I like when I can just sit down and like, you know, power through like, you know, however many words I'm doing, like several hundred, or maybe if it's a really good day, I'll be getting up to like 500, a thousand on like the really productive days. Yeah. Um, so I like when I can get that done. I like when I can exercise during the day. Like I go on the exercise bike yeah. and I do like a hard 45 minutes where I like really put my all into it and I, you know, I do like a good like, you know, 25, 30 kilometers on the bike because I feel like if I didn't leave the house that day, I still got like some physical activity and I still like did something like physically difficult that day. Um, and so, yeah, those, those, if that is the type of thing that's filling up those blocks to myself and it's within that framework of the other stuff we do that day that you already outlined, that to me is like the perfect day. Yeah, same. And the things that I do when I said like, we'll have these hours to ourselves or whatever, same as you in terms of the video games, falling into whatever world it is that I'm excited about that day. Whether it's like reading, binding a new show, whatever, you know. I like, I like finding something or going back to something that makes me so excited that I don't want to leave it. Right, yeah. You know? But then when I do leave it, I'm here with you and Rudy, and it's just... 
Yeah. Perfect. You're here with Rudy. He sits on the couch of you watching Sex in the City on your iPad. Yeah. I did rewatch Sex. I feel like that's like an old thing. Like, what year are we yeah. in? But I rewatched Sex in the City recently. Yeah. And it was good. <laughs> <laughs> you saw your namesake. I did. That's fun. That's another thing. In terms of conventions, when I first started going to conventions, because you have your name tag, you have like your, your, I don't know what I was just going to say. Know you what have your name on a name tag. How dare you condescend yeah. to us? Um, a few people would say to me, oh my God, is your name really Samantha Jones? Because I don't, I think Sex and the City was still on, maybe, right. or maybe it hadn't long come to an end. Um, Did they think you were, like, role-playing as well? No, I think they just thought I'd picked, like, a fun name to have. And I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, of course yeah. it's my name. It's not really that outlandish. That yeah, I know, but, like, maybe because it was, names. like, famous at the time. Yeah, yeah, I get that. So that's kind of fun. So, yeah. As a Sex in the City fan. Yeah. But can you imagine if you, if you had no idea about yeah. Sex in the City and people were constantly like, oh, Is my God, new? are you really, yeah. like, that slutty woman from that TV show hey, on yeah. HBO? Like, 20 years ago oh are you taking offense at me pointing out but that the character it, is promiscuous but also it wasn't 20 years ago yeah, how very well, fucking whatever. dare you it's all the same to me i'm yeah. a whippersnapper i've got no respect <laughs> for my elders of any stripe okay so the next question let me just scroll is when did you last sing to yourself or to someone else god they really try and jam in two questions on in each one um, uh, well, I sing for you all the time. And I sing for you all the time. We make up little ditties to entertain each other. I want to say today, and if it wasn't today, it was definitely yesterday. If, if, yeah, I agree. You sang to me as the podcast started. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I forgot about that. But we do do that a we lot anyway. We do that a lot, yeah. We are we are those people, yeah. you know? We like to make up little... <clears throat> Songs I'm for each also other. like Phoebe from Friends in that I just sing what someone has said to me or I sing what I'm saying to someone. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily singing a song, I'm just like sing speaking to <laughs> You're <laughs> so, songifying. So yeah, I feel like we sing to each other a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay, so Do you think if we were strangers and we asked that question, one of the one of us would sing to I would probably sing if to they you. were if you're like very extroverted and very confident, maybe yeah. you would like bust out. A I little feel like that's definitely verse. a cue for you to like sing a little ditty. Or you rap some like hardcore, like no notorious B.I.G. verse. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, if you were able to live to the age of ninety and retain either the mind or the body of a thirty-year-old for the last sixty years of your life. Which would you want? God, that's a confusing question. So saying that you're going to live to 150? Yeah. You can either pick the body or the mind of a 30-year-old. The mind. Yeah, I think I would pick the mind. Yeah, because... That's a, that's a no-brainer, ironically I enough. mean, you know, like, what am I thinking? The only thing I can't do that I love to do is have sex. That's the only thing in my mind that comes to mind. Um, if... I'm fine with not being able to do any other physical activities if I still have my mind yeah. and I can live to 150. Like, definitely. But man, you'd be who very pick, frail who at 145. Body? I feel like you've got to be... I get it, because if you look at how yeah. feeble and how, like, emaciated, like, a 95-year-old old yeah. woman is, like, 
I can see how people would think, God, 50 more years on top of that, and you would be like a skeleton but shambling then, around. Imagine being like stuck in your mind. Is yeah. this like, oh, because at that point, you'd surely to have remember. some kind of Alzheimer's or dementia yeah. or something like that. So, yeah, it's. It's a bit of yeah. a devil's bargain either way, but I would also, agree with you. People who are definitely like not just into like that physicality of things, but like, what if they're like a dancer? Yeah, you know, I'm sure they're in their mind. Yeah, they if, might pick. Physical if that's bit. your thing, then I can yeah. see how you'd. Although I just saw <laughs> talking about old people and physical activities, I just saw this heartwarming like um, news story. I think she was 95 or maybe 90. This old, old woman who did like the 100 meter sprint. Yes, I saw the headline. Like I a never, new world record. Yeah, I never read it, but I saw the headline. It was wow. completely adorable. That and she sounds... was like, I missed my nap for this. Oh. It was like, God damn, Granny, you're badass. <laughs> like to think that she went home and chomped on a cigar. Yeah. And worked on her sports car. Under the hood. Sure. I don't know where I'm going with this. I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> she fights polar bears in the <laughs> Antarctic. So, yeah. The next question is... Oh, God. See, this is what I'm talking about, how they kind of pinball between, like, yeah. very serious stuff and very, like, lighthearted comical stuff. So, from that question, we go straight to, do you have a secret hunch about how you will die? <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is dark. a hard one for me in that I find, like, it's easy for me to talk about death, but actually psychologically it fucks me up. Right, yeah. Because I'm so scared of dying that it paralyzes me for days yeah. sometimes. So I have obviously fears of dying and, like, of ways to go. Yeah. Like, obviously a, a big fear for, I'm sure, lots of people is dying early of either, like, a disease or, like, a heart attack or right, something. Yeah. Like, I feel like so many people die from heart attacks even when, I mean, there's no, like, signs. Yeah, they just die no, from a heart attack. Yeah. Your heart can just give up for any reason. And so that's a big fear. But I don't think, I don't. You don't have, like, a specific not, uh, one so that I keeps you awake I wouldn't necessarily say hunt. Well, yeah, that kind of... Yeah. yeah. Having, like, a heart attack is probably... Because I get so anxious about things, that's, like, a natural next My heart's going to burst. My heart's going to burst, It feels like it's pounding yeah. so hard. Yeah. I don't have a specific hunch, but I am one of those people who, every so often, I kind of remember, like... Because, especially as a younger person, I'm still in my early 20s, I think you just unavoidably... What are you laughing at? You're in your early 20s. You're in your mid-20s. 24. That's mid-20s. Oh, I thought mid-20s was like 25. Yeah, but... This is neither here nor there. This is just semantics. You wanted to call me you're out. Just, because... You know why? Because... Are you gonna... I'm old. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to tell the story where... The guy oh, delivering yeah. our shopping like a week or two ago. I believe for some reason, start from the beginning. No. I wasn't here, and we were on the phone together. This is such needless. But I feel like they have to know because how it was funny for me. Yeah, we were on the phone together as the shopping was being delivered, the groceries. So I could tell you what to keep and what to give back because sometimes they send like substitutions. Yeah. 
And then because, and I, this just completely threw me for a loop. I thought it was so bizarre when he asked, but because we'd ordered a pack of matches in with our groceries, the guy was like, are you over 18? Like, can I see some ID? <laughs> But he specifically was like, how old are you? Yeah. Like, and this was like one of the first things he said to me. He was like, hi, he started giving me the stuff. And you had just woken up. Yeah. And he was like, how old are you? And I was like, for the first like two seconds of standing there, my brain was like, why the hell is he asking me how old I am? And then I realized that it was probably something to do with the matches, most likely. I didn't even remember that at first. So I'm listening on the phone call and he's like, can I ask how old you are? And I'm like... Why? And so my sleep adult brain that was basically was just like, he just wants you to be over 18. So I just said 22, <laughs> <laughs> which of course is two years younger than I actually am. But for a second, wishful fucking thinking I didn't is what it is. even realize that I'd said the wrong age, the wrong number. And then when the groceries had been delivered, like it would be finished, you just went, we hadn't sp- spoken in like five minutes because yeah. you were like. You just stayed on the line. Yeah. He just, it, well, I just went, I don't know why I said I was 22. Yeah. <laughs> I think part of my brain still thinks of myself as like early, early 20s. But you know what? It's not just that. You probably haven't been asked your age since you That's were 22. That's true. No, who asked, what situation did you get? ask your age anymore like i don't think about like i'm not constantly like oh i'm 24 specifically i think like i'm in my 20s so it's very easy for me to forget i'm 32 because you've got the body of the past few years 19 year old what sure (laughs) the past few years or the past several years i feel like there's no need for anyone to be like like the last time I probably talked about my age excessively or more than normal was when I was at uni because I was one of those in-between students. I wasn't someone who just finished school, college or school. So I wasn't like that 18-year-old who was like that reg- sort of quote-unquote regular age right. but most people go to uni. And I wasn't a quote-unquote obvious mature student of like 45. Yeah. Um, I was in the middle. Everyone thought I was eighteen, and that was fucking glorious because I was twenty. Sure. I was twenty three. I was twenty two or twenty three to twenty five during uni, right. and so that was probably the last time I talk like spoke about all well, that, and then probably dating at yeah. age twenty six before I met you it was probably the last time I really spoke about my age excessively. Yeah. So. In a way, sometimes I have to think, oh, yeah, I'm 32. I did have a birthday and I've aged yeah. another year because there's no there's no place where you're really like, here's my age. Well, when you're younger than like 18, 19, you really notice each birthday because it's a big event and you think like, I'm no longer 14, yeah. now I'm 15. That's, that's why that's kids are deal. always like, no, I'm 12 and a half. Yeah. Not like- but once you get past like 18, 19, A... Because I'm not a big birthday person, I don't even really take much notice of the birthday happening. And B, you stop thinking like, oh God, what a new milestone. I'm suddenly 22. Like, you know, it just all kind of blends into like the same range of age. I'm going to contradict myself a little bit here, but actually that only happens really in your 20s. (laughs) Because once you get to fucking yeah, 30... Yeah, there's like a horseshoe effect. Yeah, when I got to... Thir- I haven't thought about it really in the last year, but like when I definitely got to 30, I was like, I'm 30 now. Yeah. Oh, my God. And it's probably been the last several years where death has also become this huge thing for me. And I don't know if it's just ha- like 
accidentally coincided with my age or right. events that have happened in my life. Um, so you do kind of like horseshoe, like you said, like you do start you thinking about back it again. And, but now instead of celebrating the fact that you're, you're a year savoring older. savouring every year yeah, instead of wanting to get... You're dreading the next yeah. notch on the... I really get it now. Existential bedpost. When like when you, death. how annoying it was when like little ki- when you're little and everyone's talking like adults are talking about how when you're old you like you don't want to be old kind of thing but you desperately <laughs> want to be old and you hate you don't want to be that guy saying that thing to kids. Yeah, but you. But don't actually, feel it's it. so true. Like if you could just get it into a child's head that actually is really true, just be a fucking child, or. Get to 20 and then really savor your 20s. Yeah. Like, I'm trying, I'm doing my best. I feel like it's really only old people that point out what you just pointed out. Yeah, that's saying I know I'm not old. Youth is wasted on the young. Yeah, I know I'm not old. I'm not, I do have like I've known people over time who, when they get to their 30s, they definitely act as if their life is over. But like, I'm not one of those people, but because I have this like obsession with death. I am definitely like, no, I'm getting closer and closer and yeah. closer. But yeah, if you remember, the question was. <laughs> um, yeah, now, what was the question? <laughs> yeah, the question was, do you have a secret hunch about how you're going to die? Oh, yeah. And I've yet to answer oh, it. Oh, yeah, because sorry. Because we went down like a, a strange, depressing tangent uh, about the terrors of aging. Yeah. Yeah. As a younger person, this is what I was going to say. I feel like you do get into that mode of like, I don't think about like the span of my life very much, like zoom out and look at it as a bigger picture. But I think you just kind of, at a certain level, just assume you're going to live like a long lifespan. Like, you know, I'm going to live to like 80 or 90. Mm. So, you know, I've got time to do this, this and that. And like, I can segment my life in this way. Like I can split it into stages because you just assume you're going to make it to like that old age of like whatever. And sometimes I think about the fact that I do that without meaning to. It just happens subconsciously when you think about, you know, the future of your life. And then the other four comes into my head of because i'm foolish enough to just assume that i'm going to live that long fate will be more likely to just strike me down at like 36 or whatever and so i do sometimes have that kind of paranoid premonition of dying young quote unquote but i don't have a specific thought about how i'm gonna die i don't think i'm gonna die quote unquote with my boots on like i'm not gonna you know like it's sudden, like, like a sudden thing yeah like i think it will be like you know my body something happening to my body like a yeah. disease or whatever it is um but beyond that i haven't really got like a specific thing that i really zone in on and obsess about like this is going to happen this specific event a part of me wants to just die suddenly whenever it happens because even though that's terrifying in and of itself I think it would be more terrifying to know you're dying. Yeah, and have to come to terms with it. Yeah, like if you get like a disease or you're so old that everything's shutting down, you know you've only got days or like however long. That has, because I'm so terrified of what death will be, I just don't think, I feel like I would not cope. I would not fucking cope and it would be terrifying. Yeah. And so a part of me just wants to like, 
die in my sleep or something, yeah. you know. Or Without like, even realising yeah. that it is happening. Yeah, I get that. Um, I feel the same way. But not early. Obviously, I want to live as long yeah. as possible. I get that. I think that's a very understandable wish. Okay, so shall we move on to the next question? Yeah. We're really getting through these questions at like a snail's pace. Your feet are so cold. Okay. Oh my, I just took my socks off. I had cute little My Little Pony socks on. They are adorable. And because our feet connect on the sofa the way we've got the mics up. <laughs> They're like Lego bricks. I just took my foot to your foot and your feet are freezing. Yeah, I've got bad circulation. Sad. My extremities are often cold. Summer. Yeah, but... I feel like it's only happened to you, like, in the... In the winter, it's really bad. Yeah. My hands get so cold. You have to wear gloves in the house. Yeah, well, that's... Yeah. <laughs> Let's not even talk about the crappy old house yeah. we lived in back in the day where... You could see your breath. In the winter, you could see the vapour of your breath. <laughs> it was so cold. That was um, an adventure slash experiment with hyperthermia. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so, yeah, at least we're out of those bad old days. Yeah. Um, okay, give me the touch wood. <laughs> give me the next question. Okay, so the next question is... I want, I'm want. i trying to, like, get inside your... You know, like, the inside of your toes that where it meets your foot? Like I'm trying groove. to get into your little toe nook, and you're not hugging my foot back. Oh, you want me to do that? Yeah. I can't keep my toes curled like that, though. But I need you to hug my toes. That's horrendous. Because <laughs> it... How, why is it horrendous? Take that back right now. I refuse to. I will not retract it. it I stand feels by the statement. Glorious, especially it feels because your glorious. feet are cold, <laughs> and I was feeling hot, and now I'm not hot because okay, I'm good. touching your. I'm cold glad part. I can be Mister Freeze for yeah. you. Yeah. Arr. I am Arnie. I went pirate. You went <laughs> Arnie. I am Mister Freeze. I am grieving over my dead wife, Batman. I've got, I've got that. That's song. what happened. Have you not seen Batman and Robin? No. Acclaimed I've film seen... with George Clooney and his no. bat nipples. You've got, I've got the Freeze Ray song in my head now. Oh, from Dr. Horrible? Yeah. One of our songs. Yeah, that's that's a song that we... We used to sing that to each other. We did. But it, you kind of go through cycles you of go like... through songs, yeah. New things. Okay, so the next question is... If you could wake up tomorrow, having gained any one quality or ability... And that's a wide net to cast. Yeah, because quality and ability yeah. are not the same things. What would it be? Should we do one of each? About this. Mm, yeah, let's do yeah, one of okay. each. Because they are very different terms Like yeah. when you think about what they were. Because an ability to. is like a skill. Or like a superpower. Yeah, and a quality... Well, I wasn't going to go crazy. I was going to go realistic. Oh, you were talking about just like mundane, like... No, realistic. Skills. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, so my qual- I already know what my quality that I would want to gain. I would want to gain the motivation I need to finish my book in a realistic yet fast time. Yeah. Like, you always hear about these authors who, like, wrote their book in three months. They just went to a log cabin I've been in the writing woods it for three. Yeah, I've been writing it for three or four years, and I'm only halfway that done. But there have been interruptions, yeah, big obviously, interruptions yeah, in the Yeah, there have been huge interruptions. But, like, still, there are people yeah. who, like, I sat down and I just wrote every day, all day, for three months, and then my book was finished. Like, I want that... I'm not saying I want to I want to be doing it in three months, but I want that kind of motivation and dedication to be able to push past everything else, including my mental illness, 
and just fucking write it down. Get it done. Yeah, get it done. Um, that's the quality. That's I understandable. Want. Yeah, that's a good one to choose. Yeah. Now you say your quality. Quality is such a weird word. Uh, like I'm thinking of like character traits. Like I definitely would like to be more patient. Okay. I think would be a good one for me. In what areas do you think you're not patient? In basically every aspect <laughs> of my life. Like, it applies to little trivial things. Like, if I order something online, I'm super, super impatient for it to arrive. We've been spoiled with Amazon like, Prime. Amazon. Next and day in delivery. London, Amazon Now. Oh, you could get it. We with had several two things. hour time blocks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazon Now. And is we so are good. big Amazon buyers. Yeah. So there's that where, like, if. I'm going to get something and it's cheaper on like just some random online site, but I have to wait like, you know, the typical three to five day bullshit delivery time. I would rather spend like sometimes significantly more and get it the next day because I'm like, I have that like childlike impatience of like, I want to open it up. I want to, you know, play with it tomorrow Mm -hmm. if it's a game or I want to like use it or whatever it is. Like I'm not good at waiting and being like, just wait a little while. It's not a big deal. But sometimes you want the new thing or you because you want that's what you want to do today. Or that's what you want to do yeah. when you wake up. Like I like if you're in like a a book funk or a show or a video game funk and you don't have any new things you really want to play or watch or read then you find something. It's like, well, you want to get it as soon as possible because you're in that funk now and you need something to do to fill those times in your life when that's what you do. If so, it doesn't arrive the next day, then that's another day exactly. spent in malaise exactly. and And then the other aspect is if you need it, like we just had to order new wires for that my iPhone, like yeah. my, my charger. Because your one actually like broke. Yeah. So it's like, I need it as soon as possible because Your while phone will mine, run out of power. Yeah, it will run out of power. So there's lots of aspects Or there to was it. the whole fiasco with getting a mic for Steph. Oh, yeah. When the one that I ordered... Shout out to Steph. <laughs> we miss you. <laughs> we do indeed. It was fun having her. It was. Well, the first microphone I got in plenty of time. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm not someone who leaves that type of thing to the last minute. It arrived before she got here, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. So I made sure I had that in plenty of time. But then when we sat down to record with that first microphone, even though it was brand new, straight out of the box, never been used before, I plug it into the computer, it records for like two minutes and then cuts out. And I couldn't find any way to stop it doing that. It was so bizarre. So there must have been some kind of defect or like problem with the wiring or something like that. So anyway. And this was two days before she was going to leave. So then I had to... That's one of those situations when you're, like, hugely thankful that something like Amazon Prime oh, next yeah. day delivery exists. This sounds like one of those fake testimonials oh, on the adverts where it's like, I needed this for my wedding, and I thought, God, what am I going to do? But then I remembered that Amazon Prime next day delivery <laughs> trademark existed, and it saved my wedding. Thank you, Amazon. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that basically saved us because I could yeah. order another mic the next day. And then we recorded the next day or whatever it was. Um, So there are some times when the impatience is justified, but mostly it's just me being silly and not wanting to wait. There's also that meme. It might not be a meme. It might be something I made up. But like where it's like you're like so eager, you're like looking out the window. Oh, yeah. 
wait, hearing the footsteps coming up the stairs for the delivery, even when it's not something like a game or a book, yeah. even when it's like a lead for your phone. Because or, you know that the delivery is coming. Yeah, so you get excited even though it's not actually something exciting. And then there are those horrible anticlimaxes when you're waiting for something cool and you hear like the postman or a delivery guy coming up the steps to our apartment building. And we're like, oh, this could be it. This could be it. I think this is it. And then you hear him put something in like every other door apart yeah. from ours and then uh. leave. And you're like, I can't believe I got my hopes up for that. Or he knocks the door and asks you to take a parcel for next yeah. door. <laughs> hey, mate, can you take this parcel for number three? No. I'm like, no, sorry, I can't. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Imagine if that was your parcel and we went that's out. That's true. I do sometimes take parcels you if do, I know yeah. we're going to be around yeah. for when they're going to want to pick it up. But I also, not just for trivial things like that, but I would like to have more patience in like social situations. Like I can sometimes get very frustrated when things are going wrong or things are not going my way. Yeah. And I would like to be a lot slower to anger and a lot slower to like... You know, when you just get so aggravated and irritated and, like, just done with a situation that you're just, like, there's no longer any way for you to, like, productively <sighs> interact with what's going on. You're just so turned off because of your emotional reaction. I would like to have that self-discipline type of patience where... I can take a step back and be like, okay, I need to calm down. I need to think about what I'm doing. I need to get this particular thing done or I need to not freak out because of blank. I feel like you have, like, I feel like I have the most patience with you more than right. anyone else in the world. And then, like, with my mom and with Steph, I feel like I can lose my patience in a second and I can say it to them. I'm like... I just can't even listen to you anymore because I don't know what the fuck you're saying. Or do this now. I've actually do this five times. Do this now. Like, I will do that with them and I will be vocal about it. But with you, I just find I don't really lose my patience that easy. I don't know. I don't know why. It's just... Is it because you love Yeah. Me? <laughs> Maybe I did know why, but I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to get too cheesy. But I do feel like when you have that kind of like... It's like closer love, than close type Yeah, it's like I can just be... Paid, like I, I I know you. I've seen you all out. You have lost patience and you, like you said, you can't function. Yeah. Whereas like you don't get like that. Obviously, we still have I, our moments. You know, it happens When sometimes. we lose our patience, we do that. But 95% of the time, it's like we have endless patience for each other. Yeah. And I mean, that's, it's like if you could extend that to everyone. Yeah. That's the ideal. But like, you know. Well, that's like the whole, what you supposedly gain when you meditate a lot and you yeah. achieve enlightenment. You feel that like deep, infinite love for a random stranger I'm like just the my same eyes. as you feel for like your wife or your mother who the fuck has got the time and patience to meditate <laughs> that's what i want to know <laughs> there's not enough hours in the day i tell you it's not that i just i feel i have maybe it's like as everyone always says in this time of like instant gratification when it comes to like everything like we said even with deliveries yeah amazon now you're you're impulse buying and then you're getting it an hour later um, 
just sitting down and kind of waiting for something to happen. That's like not my idea of fun. So like maybe you need to ask for patience then, <laughs> so that you can just sit still for sixty minutes and think about yeah. your breathing. Maybe I need patience with my mental illness. No, I give it too much time. Yeah, is what my trouble is. Is that I? It's happening, and I can't get past it. I have to let it happen, even right. if it's happening for a year. You know, and that's why I want that kind of like motivation and that. Some of that is out of your control, though. Of course, but. Okay, let's talk about the ability ability that we can. Wish. I go first because yes. I mine you can always go first. I just jump in. Kind of links in. <laughs> mine is the opposite of what I just said. As opposed to patience, I would also like to have the ability to just make decisions quickly. Because, uh, like when we were talking about yes. buying things online, and you mentioned impulse buys, that reminds me of the fact that I don't ever make impulse buys. No, I don't. if I'm going to buy something, even if it's something small that is you know doesn't cost very much, it's not very important. Like it doesn't really matter if yeah. I get the best possible one for the price. I will because of my OCD. Sometimes just I end up into these dead ends where i'm spending hours looking at all the different ones i can possibly get and reading all the user reviews and looking at like the top 10 lists of whatever it is blenders on some website because there is that little ocd voice in the back of my head saying like you have to get the right one the exact right perfect one and so oppositely to patience i would like the ability to be like I've looked at the top ones. I just spent five minutes looking at them. I think I'm pretty sure this is the best one. I'm just going to buy it and be done with it and not think about it anymore. I would like that ability. Also, oh my God, the birds are loud outside. Yes, they are. There's like a chorus of orgy <laughs> going on right outside our They're window. They're singing to each other, Kelly. Yeah. Um, I think you have impulse buys in that you decide you want something that's like seemingly impulsive but your your follow through is not impulsive you don't then just you're not the let's grab that thing by the counter in the store i however am yes you are i have much to my chagrin yeah i fucking hate that word (laughs) we ever do a thing where it's like what words do you hate that's it's not very likely that we will but sure but i fucking hate that word it's just one of those words that like i can't say comfortably that's very true chagrin like how are you supposed to say it chagrin or chagrin i think you can say either way chagrin that's how i read it chagrin chicken i know i know but that's how i read it and i don't like it i don't know why anyone would ever use it (laughs) because much to my annoyance much to my dismay just say a different word because i fucking hate that one i don't know why this word has really triggered your irritation anyway impulse i have become more like you in that when i come to buy something now online i will spend a long time um i spend longer time deciding whether i want it than i do searching for the right one like you but i do still spend like a while searching for the right one and then I'll spend a long time saying to myself, okay, let's say, oh, I have this £20 that's like expendable money and I'm choosing it to buy this thing. I've decided to buy this thing. I've spent all day searching for the right one. Now I need to spend another day 
deciding whether I really should spend yeah. this £20 on it. And it takes me so long now, and I never used to be like that. I've infected you. And I'm not... No. And I'm not like that when I'm out. If I'm in the supermarket or in, like, a store in town and I see something... But this is only if I see something small. Right. I would never impulse buy a £50 item. Or a TV. No, yeah, I would impulse buy the £2 fucking thing on the side of the counter or whatever. Um, so I am an impulse buyer in that sense, but I'm more like you in the other sense when it comes to like online or bigger items. See, the weird thing is that although I do kind of denigrate this propensity in myself to like overthink things and over research and blah 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 on larger purchases like recently it makes sense you got a new laptop and i spent quite a long time looking at all the types of laptops you could get in your price range looking at all the different sales looking up specs looking up the best type of whatever it is and because i did that i found like a really really good sale item yeah that was tucked away on this like site. it's a laptop not in my price range but it was on sale yeah, it was like a ridiculous deal for what you spent yeah. like you should not have been able to get this good of a no. laptop for that price and i only found that because i was willing to sit there yeah. and spend like two or three hours going through everything and figuring it out so there are those rare exceptions yeah. where your time expenditure is kind of rewarded but when you're buying a five pound iphone charger wire yeah that is you the should time be able to do it when you should spend yeah. two minutes and then be like that one yeah and if it's not the right one then whatever i'll buy it was five pound like yeah I but i can't do that and that's yeah. why i'd like to rectify that what ability would i see i knew straight away what quality i wanted yeah but ability you jumped the gun yeah, ability. Can I interest you in flight? Can I ask you Invisibility. What, what ability you think I... That's a dangerous you? question. Is it? No, I'm not going to posit that you're deficient in some way. Okay, um, ability. What ability? It really says something about me that I don't straight away... You're so perfect that you can't something. possibly be improved. I'm not, I just, I can't... How egotistical of you. What ability? Maybe I can't get into the right realm of like what it really means. Yeah. Like you said. Might you perhaps want to learn to juggle? The ability. Ooh, the ability <laughs> to learn languages well. Ooh, that's a good one. Because I am a bit of a francophile. And if you know what that means, you know what that means, right? I mean, <laughs> you've now put yourself in an awkward yeah. position, so you have to commit one way or the other. I love the French language, basically. Okay. Um, and I, I like, you know, most UK people my age. When you, were, I was at senior school, I learnt French yeah. for like four years. Or You're whatever. forced to learn something like French. However, I remember barely any of it. Me I remember too. loving it and feeling like I excelled at it at the time. But as soon as you drop that language, you forget it because you have to make brain space for other things. Right. And you're also not developing it in that I'm not continuing to learn the language. And you're not using it in everyday life. Yeah. And then I... I tried to go to French lessons again later on in life when I was, like, 19 or 20. It was, like, a night class or something. And at that level, even though it wasn't... Even though it was still beginners, they teach you, or at least this woman was teaching us, male 
female and business. That It's like three different languages all in one. Right. And it was just too fucking much. I only went it to a few... too complicated. Yeah. I went to a few um, lessons and then I just couldn't... I couldn't... I didn't have the... I couldn't remember anything from the week before. Right. And so it was just terrible. I also have always wanted to learn sign language and have several times began learning sign language and then almost immediately forgotten everything that right. I learned. You have to be dedicated. Yeah. And so, especially now, and I know for a fact, I know it's what people say, as you get older, it's harder to retain or it's harder to learn a language. Like, that's a thing that everyone knows. It's harder to learn languages as you get older. So I wish I had the ability to learn languages well and to, or like, just learn to learn languages. Like, I feel like if I ever was gonna seriously decide to learn again i would have to almost do it like a crash course like a full time yeah i would have to say for the next month this is my full-time job learning this language because i don't know how else i would be able to learn it and i'm really sad it saddens me that i might not ever be able to learn a language again Uh, i really enjoyed my language classes at high school but then you know i had a bad time and I had to drop them and didn't get to finish them. And that would have been... Yeah. Like, I really want to be able to speak another language. I get that. So, yeah. That's a good one. If you could speak another language, what would you speak? I feel like, before you answer, you're going to come from a stance of, like, either what's what's the language most spoken other than English... Or what is it likely that we might be speaking in like a 500 years or something? Like <laughs> I wasn't thinking of that one. You know, like a Joss Whedon type of thing where he's like, we're all just going to be Chinese in the future. Oh, yeah, that is a like strange firefly thing. Yeah. Yeah. I do know you so well. I don't have any particular affection for any one language outside of English, which is obviously my mother tongue. Like, I don't... I don't know why you laughed at that. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh. Have you not heard that expression before? No, of course I have. That's not why I laughed. Why did you laugh then? I, I just... It was just funny. I'm going to start just throwing things at you. had such a serious face and I was just I was like, thinking about my answer. You know what it is? Tongue is a weird word. Because like, you're obsessed with linguistics. Well, I am a writer. Right what is wrong with you? I... Yeah, I think it's because I feel like I say tongue in a strange way. Tongue. Say it. Sounds normal to me. Tongue. Tongue. I think we both say it the same way. Maybe we both say it And weird. also tongues. I feel like I sometimes say, sometimes say tongues instead of tongues. Right. That's not going to come up very often, so I wouldn't worry <laughs> about it. But yeah, like... My point was really just that, you, like, you love French. You love the French language. You like seeing quotes in f- French. You like seeing the words themselves. Whereas I don't have that for any other no. language beside English. I love the English language, which is part of why I enjoy writing so much. There's a French character in my book. Wow, look at you. Yeah. It's diverse. Nationalities all over the place. And so, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I thought it was funny that you were like, as if I'd be like, I'm going to learn Esperanto because it might become the universal language yeah. in like 200 years. Like, no. But I do like the idea of thinking, well, something like 
whatever it is, what is the most common language beside English? Yeah. I'm guessing it's probably Chinese. Yeah. I do like the utility. And then Spanish, right? It's got to yeah, be. Yeah, maybe or Spanish. Arabic. Yeah, it might be Arabic. Yeah. Spanish would be useful if we moved to America. America. Especially so you're saying to Steph, Steph knows a bit of Spanish in terms of like she can understand yeah. it, but I don't think she can speak it. And I'm like, you live in California, learn some fucking Spanish. Yeah, but it's fine if you can get by by just... Yeah understanding what people are saying to you she's telling me like you called me out <laughs> <laughs> she made it she leaves us an angry comment yeah. underneath the soundcloud but i imagine that's like file. one of the languages in school yeah that you can learn so i think i would probably learn something useful i knew you were gonna say that but that's because i don't romanticize yeah. any other language like you do to me yeah i think french well you can speak french in like several places not just in france but also the sign language thing. But are you going to go to like the Congo? I'm guessing. No, but I not. want. I've always wanted to go to Canada. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, I don't want to see now. Oh yeah, and the other thing is sign language. Obviously, sign language is going to be use, like, useful everywhere. However, I am sometimes taught like because I will sit down and learn it one day. Right? This is what I'm telling myself. I will sit down and learn it. But I feel like at that point, should I possibly learn ASL instead of BSL, which is American Sign Language? Because obviously then that might help in terms of getting a job in America. I know I'm British and I know ASL. I can, you know, translate for people. Hey, baby, what's your ASL? (laughs) And you'll just reply in sign language. That's a deep, that's a deep throwback. Yeah. Um... I can't believe there's not just one universal sign language. Well, of course there's not, because it'd be like, what's the word for um, sex? The word for sex is not sex in every language. Yeah, but with your hands, it makes more sense that you would but have how would a you universal learn, teach gesture. someone? Because you have to relate it to a word they already know. Yeah. Okay. So. So if I have a sign language gesture for sex... And I'm teaching an English person, I say the word sex, and then I do the gesture. If I'm teaching a Chinese person, I do the Chinese word for sex, and then I do the hand gesture. Like, it translates regardless of what oh, yeah, the origin what is. Yeah, it's like a master know. key when you learn I ima- a I imagine, I don't know if this is true, and I might be completely lying and being... Duplicitous. I don't want to shit on sign language. But, like, in my mind... There's probably a lot of similar ones, but that's like the, like all languages. There's similar words everywhere, um, so I don't actually know. But I wonder how different ASL and B. I should probably look that up. Yeah, because like the difference between American English and British English is like a few idioms, a few colloquialisms, a few like we put you in our words and you don't type of thing. So maybe it's just tiny superficial <clears throat> yeah. differences. Or it could be completely different. <laughs> That's true. But that seems yeah, a little far-fetched. it seems slow. Okay. So shall we move on? Yes. We've got Can a... we answer the question? Yeah. You had a good answer. I wouldn't have thought of something as, like, practical as that. Like, I want yeah. to learn. You had a good answer. Because it's like everyday life. Oh, God, it's turning into a circle joke. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I felt like I needed this to is the fucking reach shut podcast. up, birds. It's like, the thing is, though, it's not like they're singing to each other like they were earlier. It's just going... It is like an aggressive, repetitive, constant, oh. like, 
I don't even know what it is. It's not even a chirp. It's like a... It's a, it's a call. I was just thinking one of his calling for his babies. Oh, that's horrible. I just pictured like a distressed mother bird with okay, an empty I, nest. I can't think about this anymore. This makes me sad. Remember that squirrel we saw once? Oh, that was heartbreaking. We were walking down the street near Ryan's family home one day. We'd come from like the store or something. And there was just like this really aggressive animal sound coming from somewhere it was very strange and it we was look almost alien up and there's just a tree not like even a super tall tree yeah. like ryan could probably maybe have touched it if he stood right next to it and put his hand yeah up. it wasn't a big like, tree. it wasn't a super tall tree and there was just a squirrel in it like on its back legs standing up kind of going wah, 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 like in, making like, this, this really, really aggressive shriek like it it sounded like it was in pain. Yeah, it was either in pain or it lost its baby or its mate or something, and or it was or it was telling other people there was danger. Yeah, I mean, something. other squirrels. Something there was extreme was going on, and we were just like, "What the fuck is going on?" And it was just so sad because it just seemed so distressed. Yeah, it stopped. The bird stopped. Oh my god! I hope everything's okay, bird family. I feel bad for being <laughs> like, "Shut the fuck up." Rudy's. In the other window Has with, really like, gone out and eaten a, them? a sniper rifle. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine him with a little rifle. God. The, sometimes I'll s- come into the other room, the bedroom, and I'll see... Because Rudy sleeps on the bedroom windowsill yeah. a lot of the time. And I'll see... Like, the other day, do you remember when I called you in? And he was standing up against the window oh, and yeah. pouring against the window yeah. glass. Like... Because he'd seen like a chubby little pigeon outside on the fence. It was so cute. And he was like, I want to get out there. I want to get yeah, it. I want to see like, what I it is. Yeah, I have to get out. And then he'd look back at us and be like, can, can I get it? out? Can I get out? And then he'd like pour it again. Yeah. It was Aww. so sad because it was so like impotent. He was like, I don't know how windows don't use work. That word. But yeah, I wonder how sad. frustrating it must be for him to see birds all day. Yeah. Like close up. But never actually. But not closing up. Yeah, I guess. We should move on to the next question okay. or we're just going <laughs> to keep rambling down new and counterproductive paths. <laughs> okay, so the next question is... Oh, this is a good one. If a crystal ball... So think of Mystic Meg, if you will. Yeah. A lot of our listeners are not going to get that yeah. antiquated reference to some minor D-list... British celebrity from 20 years ago. But if a crystal ball could tell you the truth about yourself, your life, the future, or anything else, what would you want to know? So you basically get to ask a question to like an all knowing, omniscient thing, like almost like a god. I think maybe. Think about this carefully. It's tempting to want to be like no do-overs. Am I going to live a long life? But I don't want to know that because if they say no, then it's like, okay, when am I going to die and how am I going to die? So I don't think I'd want to know that. Actually, you're only going to live to (laughs) thirty-two. But I'm thirty-two now. Kidding? You fall down a trap door to a spiked pit. I don't enjoy this. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. My age. You don't enjoy me invoking and making fun of your untimely death. I'm going to knock on wood. I'm giving you the eyes. Because you're giving me the evil eyes. Yeah. I knocked on wood. Okay, so... That means it can't possibly happen. Okay, so... I... 
think I would want to know. I mean, you have to know something, right? Or are we saying that you wouldn't want to know anything? What's the You question? could choose if you don't want to. Like, you can just totally mm. third answer it and be like, screw your proposal, I don't want to know anything. I think I might want to know if I'd ever... If about my writing career, right? Like maybe like, am I gonna make it? Am Am I gonna get published? Like the way publishing is now is, I feel like if if you really want to be published, you can self publish. Yeah, of course. But I don't want that. I want to get a publishing. You want deal. the prestige That's of like being published the, by Penguin. Yeah. That's like the ultimate. So I guess maybe my question would be: Will I get a publishing deal? Right. Will I be? <laughs> will I be published? What a seemingly shallow thing to ask a all-knowing. But not really, because that's my life's sentience. dream yeah. slash goal. I'm just saying, like other people would look at it and be like, "Lol, what is she doing?" Uh, but other well, people are stupid, and we don't care about their opinions. Um, that's a good. That's a good answer. I don't think you need to feel. Like insecure. Except you just made me feel insecure. Yeah, but I was saying it in jest, don't you know? Yeah, well. I mean, true things are said in jest, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I think maybe that's what I would want to know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? See, I don't, in a weird way, feel like I would want to know for sure if I could somehow do this hypothetical scenario where with 100% certainty, because even if I was told for sure you are going to become in what in your mind qualifies as a successful writer. I don't think I'd want to know that because it would almost take away like the fire in me where like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. So I have to work my ass off, figure out what I'm doing, like really hustle to get something going type of thing. Whereas if you were told like, I'm not going to tell you when, I'm not going to tell you how, but somehow you do make it. I feel like you'd almost become lazy and kind of contented. Like you wouldn't fight anymore as hard because. But I want to know for that exact reason. I partly because of issues in my life, and also partly because I haven't had the motivation. I right. haven't got there yet, and so I need it because of that very you need reason. Like the I need to know that, like all this like pain inside or whatever and all this like trying isn't for nothing i need to know that like you know i question my very existence based on these things right and so i i need to know like it's like a profound yeah. existential question for yeah you. yeah like i said that's a completely understandable respectable answer it makes sense for you like that is a big big deal for you for me like i said i don't i wouldn't ask that question because i wouldn't want to in a way i wouldn't want to know just like i wouldn't want to know when i'm going to die so i I honestly can't think off the top of my head what i would want to know about my life but the question is open-ended enough where i can it says I can ask about anything. So maybe I'll just give oh, a cop-out answer and ask for lottery numbers. Uh, or like, what's going to be the next Apple so I can invest in their shares yeah. at the ground floor, that type of thing. I know that's kind of a cheap yeah. way to answer you this question. It. Oh, did I? <laughs> Gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Page isn't loaded. Right, I feed like two kitty cats nuzzling. 
Yeah. Okay, I got it back up. I don't know why my email wouldn't load. And it would already loaded, so that's weird. <laughs> okay, so. Um, okay, so shall we move on to the next question? <laughs> we need to keep powering through these. Yeah. Otherwise, this I is going like to be. I like these questions. Yeah, it's fun. This is interesting that this is the first time we've done something like this on the podcast. Yeah, or ever. I know it's kind of an overused staple <clears throat> on podcasts. Yeah. It's kind of like when your favorite show would do like a best of episode. Yeah. You know, when it would just be like a clip show where it's like these funny scenes from the past season. Yeah. It's almost like they took a week off that, that week. They're kind of like the only episodes of Friends that I... I'm a bit like, ugh. Yeah. Uh, you know why? Because when I re-watch Friends, obviously, I'm binging it. So I feel like I've just watched those moments and you're showing me them again. But they, I feel like they did start to do those types of episodes, but then the flashbacks were things we actually hadn't seen. Right. They, they did that in a few, so that was fun. I don't know why I, why I told that story. You... <laughs> opined about the yeah. any excuse to talk about friends particular episodes of friends and how they fit into the greater narrative of the friends universe okay so the next question is is there something that you've dreamed of doing for a long time why haven't you done it i'm happy to go first if you like okay although i feel like our answer is going to be precisely the same okay but i'm happy to go first either way so for me, the instant thing that pops up into my head is going to New York City. Yeah. Like, I want to live in America. Yeah. But that's obviously a difficult proposition anywhere you could it. Yeah. So, right now, as a smaller goal, I want to go and spend, like, as long as I possibly can in New York City, which is, like, the city that I'm, like, lusting after. Yeah. Like, being in. Like, I love London. Love, love, love London. And I'm so grateful and thankful that I found a way to go and live in central London for three years while I did my degree. And I love that city. But New York City is on, like, a different level. Yeah. It's on a much higher, more sanctified pedestal for me. Like, I need to go there, like, as soon as humanly possible. <laughs> and so, yeah, for me, it's, like, go and spend as long like i would literally go and spend like three months there yeah if i could yeah i'd spend months there as well yeah <laughs> munch <laughs> <laughs> i'd munch there as well i'd visit the famous <laughs> new york city restaurant munch all you want i bet there's a there is a restaurant called munch in london i don't know anyway do you think i'm like a restaurateur Why or like a food you? critic for the you, sunday you times should be I really should not be. I'm no, you should. I'm the opposite of a foodie. <laughs> I'm someone who eats like almost the same meal most days. No, of the week. but you can be a foodie in that you love the th you love food, but you are very specific about yeah. what you eat. I'm a foodie, but I'm really fussy. Yeah, I'm a foodie in that I'm obsessed with food, but I'm only obsessed with the food that I like. Right. I'm not obviously the more sort of like. The bigger definition of it is that you want to try everything yeah. and that you eat anything and that blah, blah, blah. You eat anything. You eat anything. Like roadkill. Well, yeah. I grilled well, no, this, I you were say roadkill, ran over yeah. raccoon and it was exquisite. I had <laughs> raccoon steak tartare. 
Ta-ta. With a hollandaise sauce. Ta-ta. I don't even know if those two go together. Yeah, they no, don't. they're just fancy words. But yeah. Fancy food words. So yeah, so, is, yeah. is your answer the same yeah, as mine? Yeah, mine is probably the same. Um, Yeah, because I was going to say, and why haven't you, is obvious. It's because we haven't had the money. But at the same time... I was going to say um, there might have been a way if we really thought about it that we could have saved for it. But it's like, I don't think like... If you think about how much money it costs, like yeah. flights alone, even if you get the cheapest deals you can. And I've done many a night where yeah. I've like fantasy booked out like how much it would cost to get a plane flight and yeah. like staying in like whatever it is. So plane flights are hundreds of pounds. Yeah. Then you've got to find accommodation. And even if you're willing to stay in like hostels. a backpacker's hostel, it's still, you know, whatever For it is. For two at weeks night. at least, yeah. it's still going to be. So, And that's without spending money or yeah. money to get around. So it's a, a hefty chunk of change mm. you need. There's just not been expendable money for that type of thing, you know? Whenever yeah. there's expendable money, it's like, oh, there's expendable money, but we need something because it broke or whatever. We just have not been in that position. And I just hope that we are, you know, as soon before as I'm 40. We are able to save up that money, we will. Yeah. And it will go on a New York City trip. Yeah, and that's another thing. that will be us visiting our future yeah. place of residence. That would be good. And also another thing, we're not in a position, even if we were to start saving, to then be like, if we need something, we would have to dip into that saving. So it's like a never-ending cycle of like, I'm trying to save, but I can't because we're always going to need something that's more important. When you're talking about saving up, like, it would have to be like... thousands of pounds. A thousand, at least a thousand pounds. And when you're living like hand to mouth, like paycheck to paycheck, yeah. like you, when you can't save money because you don't have excess yeah. money, a thousand pound is like a fortune. Yeah. And so until we start like, you know, having disposable income in significant amounts, yeah. it's very difficult to put that away frequently enough where it will start to grow. But yeah, that is something that I feel quite sure I will do. Like, I, I understand why I haven't done it. It's not like there have been opportunities and I turn them down. I haven't physically been able to do it. But as soon as I am able, and I think, I you know, in a reasonable period of time, I will be able to. Mm. As soon as I can, I will. Mine is also probably the New York thing. But also, in a broader sense, traveling. Like... I sometimes think to myself, like, going back to the Francophile thing, I've never been to France, and it's right there. Like, you know, for other people, especially, like, Americans or, like, Australians, maybe, it's like, I can't believe you haven't been to Europe. Like, for us to travel, it's days, and it's hundreds and thousands of dollars. But for you to go to France, it's less than £100 if you really look for a deal. We can go on a day trip to France. We can go in the morning and come back in the afternoon. But again, it's like finding that, like, expendable money. And even though it's way less amount, amount than something like New York, and seemingly much... Um, easier to More do doable. they've just been other things like yeah. like i used to go to those conventions i wanted to use my hundreds of pounds on that instead of going to france yeah. and so you know a part of me does think to myself oh one time maybe i should have just done that instead because i do really want to go to france but you can it's still ahead but of it's you. still there you can yeah. still do it so 
Yeah, I think my answer would be the same. Yeah. I kind of have this dorky idea in my head. I, I want to go to New York City as a, like, tourist. This is, like, so <laughs> lame. I know it is, even as I'm saying it. I'm not saying this to be, like, faux, humble, self-deprecating. Okay. I know that this is pretty dorky. But I want to go and, like, on something that it doesn't matter if you do something like this on, like, a park bench or, I don't know, a tree or, like, some stone face of a of a of the back of a building or something. I want to carve, like... I was here, like whatever, <laughs> 2000, blah, blah, blah. And then when I finally get to live emigrate there. to America and hopefully New York City, if an incredible amount of improbable stars align, I want to go back and next to it, I want to put, and now I live here and then put the year. That would be so, so it like cool. completes the circle. I don't we have know if to I'd make sure do we that. do that if we go like on a holiday there. And I know you want to do the love locks thing yeah. if we go to Paris. We, not even there, in London. We lived in London for three years and kept saying we were going to attach a lock to one of the many love lock places. We lived right by the Shoreditch love lock fence, which is now full, by the way. But did we know it was there the whole time? Yeah, we visited it. Or did we stumble it. across it? We visited it like that first year. Okay. I have photos of it. And I remember I saw someone post a photo of it the other day and it's now full. It was a, there wasn't that many like locks full on in it. terms of there's no more places possible. That to type put of full, yeah. Whoa. And so we could have been one of the locks. And we kept saying, and I remember for several reasons, we kept going to that DIY shop. Yeah. And they had locks. And I was like, let's just buy it one of the go. wrong type of But we just though. never followed through on it. But that is one of my you need, like, dorky things that I, I don't want to do. I, I like that idea. Even though it's kind of like cheesy, romantic. Yeah. I do. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. But yeah, they always had like the little metal ones that you know you could just like bash off yeah. with your fist and as soon as it rains and they start to rust they're gonna a the rust is gonna cover what you write on them and b they're probably gonna fall off so you need one of those like yeah. heavy duty like <clears throat> covered in like a thick plastic sheath type yeah. of um padlock and we just never you know came across one in our travels yeah but yeah sad but yeah we'll go to paris soon like, Paris is very doable, so yeah. I think we will go to it as soon as we have, like, you know... But then in my mind... But then in my mind, I'm like, if we're going to spend, like, £400 on Paris, you could... I looked the other day, and you could get a New York one-way for, like, 400 and something. Yeah, it's one-way. Yeah, I know, but in my mind, I'm like, shouldn't we put that towards going to New York? That's the type of situation we're in. It's like spending money on this other thing or keeping it and putting it towards this big thing. Yeah, I get that, but A, I don't know where you get this £400 figure from. You can go to Paris for, like, if you really don't care, you can go to Paris on, like, a coach for, like... Yeah, I know, but I just feel like when we go, it will be like we've spent a couple of hundred pounds. It doesn't have to be. If you're willing yeah, to really bootstrap it and be like a poor I know, you go tourist. for one day instead of the night, so you don't even have to pay hotel fees. But you could go for several nights and just like stay in where... backpackers' hostels. Yeah. And those are like dirt cheap with good reason. But yeah, you can do it like really, really affordably if you're willing to make those little sacrifices. Yeah. But yeah. Or you could do it. <clears throat> I don't know what happened to my voice. Or you could do it extravagantly and stay at a hotel right next to the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. 
But it's like, how, how is that worth yes. the extra like £100 a night? Yes. I don't think it because is. Because then when you're in your room at night, you can just basically just look at France. See, I, for me, when you get accommodation somewhere you're going like that, like when I went to Amsterdam, <clears throat> we stayed in a what was essentially a backpackers hostel because and we could have stayed in like a, you know a crappy hotel for like not much more but we wanted to do it as cheaply as possible because for us it was like we're going to be in the place like during the day we go and look around the city and we do all the things mm. to do and then when we come home we crash in the bed and we fall asleep and then we wake up in the morning splash some water yeah. in our face and get out the door like it's literally just a bed that we've rented that's how i look at yeah. it yeah i don't look at it as like the hotel is an event an attraction in itself <laughs> we've me and you though well i'm laughing because for me it is because i haven't been on a holiday like going to conventions were my holidays because i got to go to like a night they were always in nice hotels and I got to go away from, like, my shitty life for three days. And it was amazing. Those were my holidays. Hashtag my so-called life. Yeah. Apparently, I fucking love that shit. <laughs> apparently, apparently, that's not a word I wanted to say. It has been reported by CNN. <laughs> Hashtag fake news. <gasps> Hashtag anti-Trump agenda. Hashtag round up the journalists. Hashtag I'm going to say all of these things because I'm you're... Thinking pondering what it is you're okay. trying to say so i yeah so i haven't been on a holiday apart from that so the hotel is part of the experience for me right I get however that. that's not saying i'm not willing to stay in a hostel but things to think about is if me and you went away i'd want to be able to have sex <laughs> and we can't do that in a hostel unless we like you said some hostels have rooms you can get two person rooms in some places yeah yeah so maybe <laughs> what a weird criteria you're i know but like worried about insurance i don't want it to be like i get it we can't we're going to Paris. have sex like you want some privacy. and new york like yeah that's it's, true it's you want but to be sometimes able you to gotta make sacrifices yeah for the, that's true the larger goal that's true i mean the hostel that i, I mean s- ultimately i would sorry for interrupting you i just want to add if that was my only way to go, of course I would do that. Well, that is... We're not going to have, like, extra money that we can be like, we could spend this on a hotel or we could not. Like, yeah, I know, I'm just saying. We're going to have just enough money yeah. to get there on, like, strapping ourselves to the back of an airplane <laughs> and sleeping, like, underneath a bridge like a troll. I've never... <laughs> like, we're not going to have options. I, I hate really to break it to you. I have never flown and I'm terrified. Yeah, I think... I feel like you can't even remember being on a plane, even though you've been on a plane several times. It's been a it's been a good few years since I've been on a plane, but yeah, I can re- I can remember being on a plane. I went oh, okay. on quite a few holidays. We never talk about it. Why? When would we? <laughs> I don't know. Hi, Ryan. By the way, can you tell me about airplanes? Tell me about airplanes. I would try to sleep most of the flights I that I went on anything. as a teenager. Um, that's the way to do it. Like if we went to the US either to mm. visit or to move there because it's like a 10 11 Plus 12 hour. hour flight and that's if you get like a you know a good flight you could have like a layover somewhere no. like alas Steph was yes. unlucky enough to have like the way to do it is to get like a good neck pillow and then try and sleep as much of it yeah. as you possibly can I mean the good thing is I 
as we talked about earlier, I could fucking sleep standing up outside if I'm tired enough. I'm not good at making myself fall asleep when I know that I, like, quote-unquote should or, like, I need to. But at the same time, if you're on a 10-hour flight, what else are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do for 10 hours? You're going to marathon Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's just too many hours to just be awake and in a shitty... You'd have to sleep for some of it, I feel like. Your body would just... Most likely, yeah. Uh, I like to think I would, anyway. So, yeah. Should we move on to the next question? Yeah. The next question is, if you knew that in one year you would die suddenly... What the fuck? Dun-dun-dun. Would you change anything about the way you are living now? Yes. Why? I would take our rent money and go to New York. (laughs) You'd sell everything in the apartment. Yes. You'd sell some plasma and some eggs. I'd basically from your ovaries. Eggs. I was trying to think what the word is. I wanted to say ovarium, <laughs> but that sounds like the sci-fi version yeah. of it. I would take everything I owned. I would sell it, and including not Rudy, that I have. Hey. You'd rent him out. Not that I have that many big things that would be like portable stroke kidding. Worth money. But like I would still do it. I would sell everything I owned and then to 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 top it off to make sure I had enough, I would like take all the rent money and the bill money. Or I'd open like a credit card. You'd, you could get like ten credit cards if you knew you were gonna die. Yeah. And like a loan and yeah. like you know And I would travel to all the places I've wanted to go. I'd go to France and I'd go to Basically, you do if I have to tour. choose a limited amount of places I can go in the world, here are the places I want to go. France, America, as in, like, all of it. Like, there are so many places in America that I want to see. Like, even, like, like rinky-dink little towns I want to see. And then Canada. They are the only places I care about. You want to go to see the little, small, rural town that Twilight was? yes. Filmed in or yeah. based on or whatever. I also, even, there's even some places in London that we still didn't go to, even though we lived there three years, yeah, because there's just so many places to go. Unless you're going out or every day, you're not going to go to them. There's like endless places. So I'd go to all the places I wanted to go to in London that we didn't go to yet. I'd go to France. I'd go, I'd go to Canada. And then I'd spend the rest of my time just traveling America the rest of my yeah, year. That's not a bad plan. Yeah. I think I'd probably second that. I mean, the only other thing would be we are both working on our, and this sounds like too grandiose a word to use, but given their lengths or their likely lengths, I suppose they are novels. I would need to finish the novel that I'm working on right now before I die. Like I couldn't die with it nine tenths finished or whatever. I would need to make sure that it was done, edited, everything was completely finished with it so that when I die, I at least have that one full novel length work to my name. Maybe if I could finish it in like three months and then travel the rest of the nine months. I guess now people might be thinking, well, if that's ultimately what you really want to be doing, why aren't you doing it Well, that's the point of the question, obviously. Yeah. That's not... What I want to be doing with my life, I don't want to be traveling. What I want to do is to be living in America. And that's why that's my answer. Because if I'm never going to get to live there, I want to go there as many times as possible. So I can see all the things I want to see. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, 
Sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to. It's okay. And then I'm of, stabbing you in the chest with a sword. <laughs> and of course, the thing is, well, you could live die in a year, so you need to get on yeah. that shit. And that's also true, but at the same time, it's hard to make yourself. It's hard to make you do that when you're that way. in your Believe days. Yeah. Well, the other thing I was going to say was, you know, half joking, but I guess also half not. If I was told that like a year from now I was going to die of whatever cancer, I think I would start chemo now and get a head start on it, and maybe I could I could beat the odds. Maybe I can, you know, defeat fate. Or maybe that's just a waste of time for my last yeah, year. I think that's. But a waste I feel like for me, I'm someone who would be like, if a you know, a magical fairy appeared before me and was like, "I'm an emissary of fate, and you are going to die in a year," blah blah blah. I, part of me would be like, "Fuck you! Yeah. I'm going to find a way to to cheat death." But I guess that's not a good way to look at it because yeah. most likely, you, you know. If something crazy and magical like that happens, you are going to die when they say you're going to die. So just don't waste your time looking for some snake oil cure to what's going to kill you. So, yeah. I don't like all these fucking death questions. Yeah, but that's obviously what these questions are trying to do. They're trying to make you talk about I understand why this is making you, I guess, you and that other person. I mean, it's going to go one or two ways, obviously. You're either going to end up having deep philosophy philosophical philosophical philosoraptor (laughs) philosoraptor conversations or you're gonna realize this person is not your type of person and you're gonna move on god can you imagine doing these 36 questions or the 36 questions because we're not doing them all but on a first date with someone that you quickly realize that you not only don't like but someone who you actually dislike You'd have you'd give like such cagey like one yeah, word answers just to, to move questions. it along. Like yeah. you're stuck in that day and you have to finish it. That would suck. Yeah, it's pretty ballsy if you're on a first date to be like. Anyway, there's this like experiment that happened, and I want to ask you these thirty six questions. Like that's such a yeah. gamble because be the so other person confident. might just be like, "No, I don't no. want to do that." But when you think about it, that's what a date is. You're asking 36 questions without realizing you're asking 36 questions. You're starting off with the simple things like where are you from? What did you do? What was your, what's your family like? And you're moving on to deeper things. Not always. Yeah. Sometimes you're moving on to how did you like the newest episode of Game of Thrones? Yeah, that's true. But like, that's basically what your first bunch of dates is it's asking all the questions you want to ask. Or talking about all the things you want to talk about. Um, so I kind of, I get it. I don't think I would be ballsy enough to pull the uh, trigger. Um, I think I would. Maybe on like a third or fourth date as like a novelty yeah. type of thing. I remember when I was dating before I met you, I had this weird confidence that wasn't real. Right. <laughs> like I had just come out of this horrible 10 year relationship that was like the worst of the worst and I was just emboldened with this like crazy confidence that was I just like anything. I'm I have nothing to lose now and I want to meet someone new and I just I'm putting it all out there and I just didn't care like I would just say what I want to say um etc yeah. like so but I don't know 
if I'd be like that now, if we weren't together. No, because... Because there was something driving yeah. me at that point. It was like a counter-reaction. Yeah. That galvanized you and gave you that, like, yeah. unstoppable energy and that, like, I could do whatever I put my mind yeah. to type of feeling. Because I also had, like, a health scare as well, a pretty serious health scare. So I had a new sense of, like, life almost in two ways. So, yeah, so I don't think I'd be like that now. Yeah. Different moments in our life. Yeah. I don't need to be like that now. Yeah. I have my my love. Because you have a mildly handsome hey. Palomar who's, you know, decent. You're what I would call severely handsome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so handsome I make birds fall out of trees, apparently. Yeah. That drop dead Sad. while they're Yeah. Let's move on to the okay, next topic before you get weepy about the bird. That have had got, a coronary. Have we got any more questions then? Yeah, we've got oh, a few okay. more. Um, the next one that I have here is share with your partner, which I suppose is you, <laughs> an embarrassing moment in your life. I've got one okay. on the top of my head. <clears throat> and I've told you the story before and okay. you enjoyed it. So I don't Did mind I? reproducing it in... <laughs> mp3 form when i was like i'm not sure how old i was i want to say like nine or ten there was this i don't know why i'm giving this backstory but i guess it's kind of relevant to understanding the context there was this community center type thing very close to where i lived like just up the road and my mom worked there for a while and she knew everyone there and like I'd spent time there, so I was very familiar with it. I think I just realized what the yeah. story is. Because I remember you laughing at this story yeah. and enjoying it. Um, and also being on my side, which yes. is important. And over the summer, they would do, like, the typical, like, send your kids here for, like, different classes. Like, you know, we teach you martial arts or we teach you swimming or drawing or whatever it is. Basically just a place to send your kids to while away their days when you're not in the house. And so I got signed up to this one class. I forget exactly what it was. I think it was like a mix of kind of like gymnastics and like dance and like <laughs> some something along those lines. I can't remember. I was very young. And what it really was was just us tumbling about in this room and being shown like different kind of tumbling. acrobatic moves and stuff like that. That's adorable. And it must have been early on, like maybe the first or second time I went there. And I'm pretty sure it was a female teacher. I don't know. I remember it, but I picture a woman in my mind saying it. She was shown us something and she did a move for us. We're all in a circle, like close together. She did a move for the whole class where she rolled over her head, like went head over heels and then ended up in a sitting position. So she like rolled forward. Yeah. And then she, she was like, okay, so that's how you do it. And she was like, does anyone know what that's called? And then she picked me because I would not have been the type of person to like volunteer any type of answers. Even when you were little? No. Okay. I never had that like extroverted confidence where like, you know, I was happy to volunteer answers in class, even in school. Mm. And so she like picked me, she pointed at me and she was like, what is that called? And I said, because this is what I'd always heard that called, I said, it's called a gamble. 
and instantly, as if like a, a chemical reaction had just exploded across the crowd, <laughs> they all like laughed hysterically at me, like in my face. Aww. And I do, I don't remember much about it. I just remember the very specific feeling of a feeling like. Hey, she just entrapped me into embarrassing myself for no reason. Like, and be like, why are they laughing? Like, I don't. That's what it's called. I don't get why they're laughing. Yeah. But I think that's kind. Of, it's kind of like a British an, oh, informal way of saying it. Yeah, or like well, a really antiquated. Brit- she should have known, right? That it was called that because even I know that that's what it's called. So presumably she was older than me. And if we're saying now that it's an older term, then she should have known it. Well, she, even she was laughing. Like that's the worst. Yeah, like the worst weird. part. She was like, you know, chuckling yeah. at my mistake. I guess you could say. And then she was like, when I, when the laughter finally died down, and I was probably mortified at this point. Aww. And hey, like, the worst part is just the confusion of being like, yeah. why did all of these people who are like in close proximity surrounding me? Why did they all just start laughing at me? Like, you know, I'm some circus clown. And then she was like, no, no, no. It's called a forward roll. Like still kind yeah, of like laughing a little so bit. Weird. And yeah, that that memory sucks. And it like stayed with me for a long time. Not as like a traumatic thing, but like. A bit traumatic. A little on, bit when real. you're like a nine or 10 year old boy in like some you know some class that you don't some really summer want to be class in. where you don't know anyone and so yeah that's the first thing that comes to my mind weirdly oh yeah i don't know if i don't really have any truly embarrassing moments or i have too many that's a i know that's a weird thing to disquieting say. question but i also feel like a lot of things have happened to me where i'm like i don't think these are necessarily embarrassing but they're shameful and they're two different things so I'm trying to think of an embarrassing, because when you think of embarrassing, you think of like light almost. That's where I went. Like I didn't think of like the most shameful things I've ever done. Yeah, whereas I could think of a few things that are actually m- more shameful than embarrassing and I don't know whether to pick those. I think the question is more geared towards like the type of story that I gave, like an yeah. anecdote that's kind of light where like that's something what I'm stupid to think, happened to you. Yeah. I do get embarrassed, but I don't embarrass easily. Right. I don't think. Um, let me just have a little think. You have a little cogitate. Yeah. I'm trying to think. It's got to be something when I was little, like yours. But, again, that might not be true. If there's not something that springs to mind instantly, that's a good sign, surely. Yeah, I can think of something. You know, this is silly. It's very silly, though. Of course, but these are going to be yeah. silly because they're childhood. Things. You know, when you sit, you sit in a strange position, or what, or you lean on like one of your legs, and then your leg is dead, right? To the point of like you can't feel it anymore. Well, you know, when you're little in junior school and during assembly, you sit on the floor and you cross your legs. Um. I guess we had, like, assembly, and then assembly was over. And they used to do, like, the cla- each class would line out, like, year six would line out, and then year five would line out, whatever. And then, so we lined out. Maybe they did it from the earlier classes, 
up to the older classes. Because I remember the room still being really full. Um, getting up and trying to walk, and I couldn't feel my leg. Right. And instead of me, like, it was a really obvious thing. Like, my leg was kind of going, do 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 Like, it was a very... It was, like, giving out. It was, yeah, it was... a, And it was really loud because the floor was, like, wooden. That was one of those And everyone was, floors. like, silent or almost silent. And obviously I had, like, girls, like... Shoes. Shoes on. Yeah. And it was making, like, a really loud knocking sound every time I tried to put my foot down. And I remember people noticed. Like, I don't remember whether the whole room was, like, looking and laughing or if it was, like, just some. But it was enough for me to still have the memory of, like, everyone was laughing kind of thing but it wasn't it's not as vivid as your like everyone was laughing and it was like really horrible um it was horrible but like yeah like i said i feel like mine are more extreme in that they go past embarrassment and they fall under the category of shameful (laughs) and so i have more shameful memories rather than i do embarrassing Sure. Or maybe I'm just unwilling to admit that I'm embarrassed and so it's hard for me to pinpoint something because I want to be like, no, I wasn't embarrassed. Right. Maybe I can't identify it. I can see that being a defense mechanism yeah. psychologically. Also, the bird is back. The so bird that's is new. back and it's singing a nice tune. Not really. It was. It's very shrill. Oh, my God. What's going on? My tummy rumbled, but just before it rumbled, it had a very powerful, imagine like a blast from like a, <laughs> from like a nuclear bomb or something, the way it just kind of goes whoo, over the atmosphere. That's what it was like. In oh, like my the stomach. shock wave? Yeah. That's what it was like inside my stomach. And then it rumbled and it was a very strange feeling. Wow. Was it kind of like when you go over... Like a hill in yes. a car and your stomach drops. It was like that, how it just, the whole of my stomach kind of just went, Ooh, and then it rumbled. Yeah. That is strange. What the Almost fuck? like it shivered or like your inside shivered. Yeah, but more powerful. Than Maybe that. someone was walking over your grave. Yeah. I like how your whole voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's my spooky voice. <laughs> That's my campfire horror story voice. Yeah. Okay. So the next question. It's kind of an interesting one. What, if anything, is too serious to be joked about? Hmm. I think my answer is going to be kind of self-evident based on things I've said before on the podcast. Hmm. I am someone who's able to jump in and out of really dark, deep topics. Like, we just... As evident on the podcast in the past, we could be talking about something light and I can all of a sudden just be talking about suicide and death and horrible things. We and weave I, between them. I can easily jump back out of that. Um, so I don't know that there's anything that's too serious. to Because yeah. I feel like there are ways to joke about things that aren't like... Haha, rape is funny. Like, there are ways to joke about things that isn't making fun of someone who's experienced that or 
isn't making fun of someone who's dying or isn't whatever the subject is there are ways to be light-hearted about things that isn't negative yeah you know i feel like when people say jokes it's like a negative thing so yeah i don't know i don't think there is anything yeah i definitely wouldn't like any kind of blanket prohibition like this type of joke is never okay and anyone who says it should be socially ostracized because context is everything like for example they're going to be so many people who are like holocaust jokes are horrible and anyone who says it is a bad person and should be shunned and is disgusting and i spit on you like blah 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 i spit on you (laughs) (laughs) but it all depends on the situation because if you had some douchebag comedian who went to like, you know, a Jewish neighborhood or whatever mm. and made like all these horrible dehumanizing Holocaust jokes in front of a, you know, mostly Jewish crowd to be kind of like offensive and provocative and edgy and like try and rile people up. Then I would look at that and be like, yeah, that guy's a douche. Like what yeah. he did was stupid and distasteful. And like, he's just, he's not even trying to, be funny and clever and like he's just trying to shock people yeah it's not even really about the humor at that point it's just about someone trying to get a reaction someone trying Mm -hmm. to upset people but then at the same time if you had two old holocaust survivors who you know met up for dinner and one of them makes like a light-hearted crack about you know concentration camp life that's them trying to work through that horrible traumatic yeah. memory with humor, which is like a fundamental way that we do try to process that mm. psychologically. And so, like I said, <clears throat> if you were then for the Twitter, like progressive liberal cred, be like all Holocaust jokes are bad. Anyone who says it in any context is disgusting and I stand against you or whatever it is. You have to realize that there's such a huge and diverse spectrum of instances in which that could happen. Mm. Some of them are totally benign. Some of them are totally like understandable and acceptable that when you start getting into that black and white thinking of like, no, never, never, it's never okay. It's like when something can't be talked about. Yeah. It's like if, as long as it can be talked about, there's a way for, like you said, if it's like too, really old guys who like have connections to it and they're just trying to like you know they might be like 95 or like 105 and they're just trying to like yeah remember those days like that's completely different than some dickhead trying to like get a rise money from like shocking people that's completely different and so that's what I mean. I don't think there's any subject that you can't be lighthearted about. Yeah. I like that term way more, lighthearted, right. rather than like, let's make disgusting jokes about things that we know nothing about. Yeah. You know? Like, I don't think that anything should be off the table, like in any context whatsoever. I, yeah. think, I think that douchebag comedians should be able to tell those jokes. But I think it should then be a reciprocal reaction that, no one wants to go to see his comedy show because he's not using any kind of clever satire or like intelligent yeah. humor to like dissect this subject. Yeah, it's not or smart. Make he's some just... kind of smart comment on it or like, you know, just play with it in like a really clever, interesting, like intricate way. He's 
just doing this very like basic surface level attempt at like shocking the crowd Uh and so i think it would be fine if no one wanted to go and see that guy because what he's doing is you know boring and stupid but i think that he should be able to do it but uh, and then again like people should be able to respond the market should be able to respond accordingly and in Uh this case the market is you know the audience who attends comedy shows yeah so yeah should we move on to the next one yeah Again, this is another, like, we jump from one, like, light thing to, like, one, like, super, super dark thing. If you were to die this evening... Fucking Jesus. (laughs) Is that why people are falling in love? Because they're like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm just going to grab whoever's closest and it's you. Let's get married. Yeah. If you were to die this evening... With no opportunity to... Can you imagine if you asked this in the evening? You'd be like, fuck, I've got no time left. I'm screwed. If you were to die this evening with no opportunity to communicate with anyone, what would you most regret not having told someone? And why haven't you told them yet? God, this guy loves jamming in two questions Uh. to a single question. This is a pretty heavy one. This is dark. Because there's some fucking things I'd like to say to my dad that I dream about saying to him. Like, yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> I won't go too in-depth, but, yeah, you know, we're estranged, he's evil, and there are things I want to say to him. Sure. Um, Makes yeah. sense that your mind would yeah. go Yeah, and whether that's, help, you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, but why would you want to waste your time? But, like... It doesn't work that way when it's, like, your dad yeah. who has, like, abandoned you and you want to say some shit. Like, that's the way we work. Like, yeah. Like right. I said, I dream about saying things. I really can't think of anyone else because I don't feel... I know I'm also not a hider. Like, I don't hide things from people. Like, I don't... You know, yeah, there's nothing that... I, I need to say to anyone that they don't already know. Yeah, I think I would probably just give the obvious answer of like, I think even if you told your loved ones that morning that you love them, like say I told you that I loved you and I'd been on the phone to my mom and my dad and Mm. like, you know, other family members and my friends like Matthew, even if somehow magically everything had aligned so that I told them that morning that I loved them, if you were then on your deathbed that evening, I think you would still be like, I wish I could tell them again. Yeah. Like, just to make sure that they really know. I feel like you'd always feel like, I didn't do enough to show the people that I care about and who care about me that I love them as much mm. as I do. And so I think that is just, a, you know, kind of an inevitable regret. So yeah, you see, this is what this is why I think some of these questions yeah. are not good like choices for a first date. Well, I wouldn't say they're not good choices, but I feel like if you're willing to open yourself and go there, they could be really good. Like I don't know if it's faking people into having this urgency of like doesn't matter if we're not completely compatible. Let's just get together. Now we know each you're other. You're here and I'm here and we know all this information. We've connected. Yeah. Like, I don't know whether it's tricking people into that 
or it's really opening people up where they wouldn't know. Like, it can take some people years to get that kind of information out of someone. Like, some people are really closed off and it takes a lot for them. They don't just, like, obviously some people like us will just talk about anything at almost any time. Like, you even have some things where you can't just jump into things, whereas I can. And then, so think about on the more extreme level, some people just will not give you that kind of information. From the get-go. You have to, like, be in a situation where it's appropriate to even be talking about that. Then you have to kind of, like, ask them a million questions just to get that information. And so I feel like for some people it will really be good and it will really work in terms of connecting you to that person. But then can you imagine if you really committed to this exercise and you really bared your soul to this person on the first date and you really got into detail about these private, personal, secret, emotional things inside of you and you gave them all this information about your family and your hopes and your fears and your desires and then they never call you back after the first date? Yeah. Imagine how, like shitty you would feel about having done that and being mm. that vulnerable and open with that person and had it completely non-reciprocated i feel like after the first couple of questions though you're going to know whether that person is opening to you like you're opening to them and hopefully if they're not opening to you then you shouldn't maybe shouldn't give them as much or you should just use it as a therapy session like <laughs> it felt really good to talk for two hours about all these things that I might not normally talk about. And hey, I'll never see that person again, but I feel pretty fucking great right now. Like, you could use it in all these ways. I don't have money for therapy right now, so I go on a first date every week. And I'm like, hey, there's this cool exercise we could try if you want to listen to me (laughs) rant about my problems and, you know, family situation for two hours but then 50 people fall in love with her because she's connected with all of them <laughs> it's like a love potion and yeah. she, she's abusing it <laughs> she starts like a commune where it's just her she's like a polygamist it's her and her 50 husbands quite far 50 husbands you just said 50 that's a lot of work man it is a lot of work it's too much work for one woman if you ask me <laughs> yeah i get what you're saying but you've also got to realize that there are some talented sociopaths out there who could really like if you get like a pickup artist douchebag he could feasibly like fake his way through these questions giving you completely (sighs) false answers that satisfy your curiosity and feel like he's opening up to you but he's really just trying to tick all the boxes and go through the motions so that he can have sex with you yeah so it's it's dangerous you're rolling the dice a certain amount but you're rolling the dice when you go on a date anyway because you're automatically vulnerable because you both know you're both there in hopes of getting something. Right. Whether it's sex or, you know, a fling or a, a boyfriend, a husband, relationship, etc. So you're in a vulnerable situation anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I I don't really have a counterpoint. I just... I would never do this on the first date. Like, I guess I should just say that. I think I would. If someone, even if someone I liked, like I talked, maybe I met them online, I talked to them for like a couple of days beforehand. So I knew that I was kind of into them. 
if on the first date, but I still don't know them that well, if on the first date they were like, hey, blah, 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 like this cool experiment, and they showed me the questions, I'd be like, yeah, I don't think this yeah, is a good idea. Yeah, you wouldn't have. I'm totally thinking back to when we met, and we talked for like a week, but like through the day All and day. through the night. Yeah. And so we pretty much only had those few hours where we were asleep each time that we didn't speak. And then we met after we'd met, like met for a week. And I know if I'd have busted out those questions, you wouldn't have answered no, half of them. Um, because even though you were open in one sense, you weren't. You have you have to get to a certain place to be that open. Whereas I could be that open with a stranger. You're an open book. Yeah, I could be that open with a stranger. You're a coffee table book of Francesca Woodman photographs left open for visitors to peruse. Yeah. Call back. Call back, okay. baby. That's a good When your podcast back. is like three and a half hours long, you can do callbacks. You can do, ah, tickling. <laughs> I'm tickling your foot with my toes. Yeah. You can do callbacks to the start of the podcast. Yeah. So, yeah. People are like waking up. The birds are waking up, it sounds like. <laughs> what if we've woken them up with the sound of our podcast? Yeah, and, they're listening. And this is their... That's their feedback. ...angry response. <laughs> we get an iTunes review that's just like angry tweets, <laughs> angry chirps, angry... Oh, man, it's so loud. It sounds like it's just one bird as well. Yeah, it does. So this guy's like a real antisocial... He's entertaining all the other birds. Yeah, maybe. He's like the class clown... They're like, look, Dave's doing that loud thing again. It sounds so pleasant when it's like... But then when it's just like... Yeah, it's almost like a, a duck. Yeah. Where they just make the same, like... Sound over Monotone over. noise over and over again. God, we really got to keep going. <laughs> We've only got two questions left now. Okay. And I think, looking at the computer, given that we're over three hours at this point, I think... The podcast is just going to be these this questions, topic, yeah. which is fine, obviously. It's been a good one. The things, the other topics, articles, whatever we we're going to do, we'll just do next episode. Yeah. We'll split it up like that. But yeah, it has been interesting. It has been fun. So. Next question. The next question is your house containing everything you own. Jeez, dude, get a fucking bank Locker. Get a new way of asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> wow, calling me out. What is the word I'm thinking of? You know when you like rent a box in like a bank vault? Safety deposit box? Yeah. Like that's what the guy in this question should be doing. Don't keep everything in your home, dude. You keep everything in your home. No, I don't. Where have you I got... keep things on the cloud. No, you don't. No, I don't. <laughs> anyway, your house containing everything you own catches fire. After saving your loved ones and pets, you have time to safely make one final dash to save any one item. I feel like we had this conversation recently. Yeah, we, we kind of did, actually. So what would it be and why? God, he, he puts like three questions in that one. <laughs> he's, he's getting, you know, You're obnoxious with it. With this, like, Look, when you say one nuances. question, I expect one question. None of this, try and cram in some extra ones, <laughs> dude. <laughs> Dr. Dude. I find Sociology this... expert who orchestrated this original experiment. <laughs> I find this a hard question. Well, it's easy and hard. Maybe I just have two answers. 
Okay. So, my long answer, which is the hard answer, is for the first time in my life, I have lots of things. Like, I never really had lots of things up until the past few years. Um, Like, that goes along all areas. Like, you know, most times I only owned a few pairs of shoes. You know, like a pair of shoes and maybe then a pair of trainers. And then, like, my clothes. Like, I probably had, like, one good outfit and then the rest were all, like, casual outfits. But there weren't many. Like, I never had, like, a wardrobe full of clothes. And I know this is, like, a very shallow answer. But, like, in my mind, I'm, like, I'd want to save all my dresses. Because <laughs> I wear dresses most of the time. You're such a fashionista. And I'm, like... I'm very picky with what I wear and I feel like I wouldn't be able to find those dresses again. And so in my mind, I'm like, I want to save my dresses. But my real answer, and obviously I feel like that about all my things, like I'd want to save all my things. My real answer is probably either, well, I don't feel like I should say this one because this is the next obvious once you've chosen, you've saved your loved ones and then you've saved your pets, the next obvious one is to save your hard drive. You totally stole my answer. Yeah. But How dare you? Not only did you decide to have two answers to this question, <laughs> even though it specifically says save one thing, but with your second answer, you preempt me and completely steal my answer. Sorry. But I feel like that's like one of those things which should be not your hard drive because it's an obvious answer that most people will say. Right. So, if I, if that didn't exist, if that wasn't, like, an option or that was counted in the things that you could take and then you had to choose something else, I think I would choose my fold, my... I have, like, three big binders of all my convention stuff. So, it's all my photos with the guests, all my autographs, all my little keepsakes that I got from, like, the conventions. Probably that. Yeah. Um, so you've now given three answers just to keep count. But then I'm going to see what your answer is and I'm going to maybe change my mind. So. That's So you reserve the right to have a fourth answer? <laughs> You're really abusing the system here. Okay, so what's you your think answer? just because you're a cute girl with pink hair. Stop that. You're going to make me move on And an adorable smile. You can just do whatever you want, huh? You yeah. sicken me. You're going to make... You're going to sicken people with your <laughs> fucking lovey-dovey. Okay, so... Yeah, the, to me, it's just like... You think about it practically and you break it down. Like, I've got some expensive, like, electronic items. And mm. so, obviously, it would suck for those to get destroyed in a fire. But, ultimately, I can, you know... You, you can, can buy them, them. down yeah. the line. So, what is irreplaceable? The first answer, and what is my main answer, is the hard drive. Yeah. We have a little external hard drive that we back everything up to, or everything important up to. So it's like this one central kind of backup. And we keep it on the shelf right there. Right there. Right by where we keep the microphones. And so I would literally just have to nip in the door and grab it from grab the shelf it, and yeah. nip back out. So that's that most likely is what I would do if I could literally, you know, somehow there was some reason why I could only grab one thing. I think because that has like so many things on it that I yeah. can't, you know, you can't replace 
So that's what I would go for first. And then the physical version of that, as opposed to the digital version, when we're talking about irreplaceable things is on top of the fridge, and this would probably suck in a fire because they're hard to get down because they're so high up. But on top of the fridge, on top of, you know, a storage box or something like that, I have a couple of photo albums which have a lot of like baby pictures of me and pictures drawn my childhood and stuff like that. God, I really should scan those in. Yeah, I was like, if you scan them in, they could be on the hard drive. And then the hard drive is still the main answer. It's just like I think about sitting next to the scanner for like six hours straight, like scanning in like 200 photos. Think about how you'd feel. My brain just refuses, refuses that order, refuses to obey. What you could do is just spend half an hour instead and just take photos of the photos instead of scanning. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it properly. Well, stop you complaining and just do it. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's kind of my secondary, like, if I could have my cake and eat it too type of events, I would grab the photo albums because most of the photos up there are not scanned in anywhere. And... I don't have that many pictures of myself as a child and especially as a teenager. So if they perish in a fire, like if I come up and they're completely destroyed, their ashes, that whole period of my life will have like no photographic evidence. Unless my mom has like a couple in frames around her house, which she probably does. But besides that, it will be like completely obliterated, completely erased from history and so that would suck you see oppositely if there was a fire i want to nip in and grab the hard drive but if something happens to me outside of the house remember that you've got to go into the bedroom and activate the fermite charge above my hard drive on my computer to destroy it (laughs) and then i want you to take the molten slag and i want you to sail out into the middle of a lake and i want you to dump it Sure, I'll get right on that. Because then no one will know about my my drug distribution empire. Do you think about when you die and you've got all your stuff, like all your documents and things, um, and stuff on your hard drive, like, do you think about how no one is going to be able to access that because you don't, no one knows your passwords? Yeah, I mean, I should probably, like we recently both, signed up to and like transferred everything over to a password manager Mm. where like you have one password that gives you all your other passwords and then you change all your other passwords to like these ridiculous 50 character long strings of like letters and numbers and random punctuation marks and so technically i could just give you and you could just give me the password for your password manager or Mm. write it down somewhere that only i could possibly get to yeah and then it's kind of like a skeleton key to let you yeah. get into everything. Which we, we should probably do that, honestly. Yeah. Okay. That's the best way to we go about it. We could just write them down and put them somewhere and then that way if anything happens. If you can keep a secret, I'll tell you right now. It's <laughs> password one. But like one is the number one. Because like, I don't want people to be able to like figure it out or whatever. So like I made it more complex. It's like that scene in Gilmore Girls where Emily calls up Lorelai and she's like, I'm going to tell you the password. Are you going to write it down? Are you ready? It's one, 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 one. <laughs> Old people don't understand computer security. Like when my, when my mom, like so I, 
occasionally I've had to like log into an account for my mom to like buy something or like do something. When she like tells me her password, I like cringe. And I'm just like, do you not understand how easy this password is to crack if any like no one's gonna do it because no knock on wood. Do a little knock on wood because I'm superstitious like that. Um the thing is, you're so not superstitious, I'm not, no. but you're still knock on wood, so you are it's superstitious. Ingrained in me, if you want uh. a little wood joke. Um, wood based humor always goes <laughs> well with the ladies. Yeah, when my mo- when I hear my mom's password, I'm just like, oh, old people, you don't understand that you uh. can't just do like I can't like. Say you can't it. say anything but like, because if anyone you, finds out who your mum is. If you've ever heard your parents' password, you know the type of thing I'm talking yeah. about. Like, it is ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Like, <laughs> yeah. You could figure it out in like... Okay. Quick. Real <laughs> quick. If you've got like, you know, one iota of And then here's power. me and you with a 26 fucking character long password of like... Letters and numbers and fucking punctuation, yeah. and it's like, yeah, it's like who do you think's coming after your still, stuff? The CIA, uh, and we're still worried it will get, yeah. Well, it's not even just that someone will crack your password, like your specific password. When you entrust everything to a password manager, if someone hacks the password manager service itself, then everyone is fucked. Yeah. Like it's a trickle down fucking, if you will. <laughs> So yeah, that's what that's what I worry about. I don't worry about someone cracking my Why password. Why are you using a password manager then? That <laughs> that's too many things to worry about. <laughs> that word kind of escaped your tongue's dexterity <laughs> I said in this moment. Password manager, manager. <laughs> password mumbo jumbo. Yeah, well, I'm using it because you know it's risk management. Like it's a lot less likely that someone's going to crack the whole service than it is that if I keep my own passwords someone's going to finally you know either figure out what my password is or just brute force it with like you know Uh. a dictionary attack and just eventually a computer will will figure it out like that's much more likely than that a whole international like you know service with millions of people is going to get completely dismantled by hackers so you know Makes sense to me. Yeah, no. I think that's the last question. I think yeah. we should wrap it up there because we're fast approaching a self-indulgently long seven and a half hour podcast. Oh my God, yeah. We'll have to release it in six parts. <laughs> It'll be like an omnibus. People say they like it long, but they don't like it that long. That's not what she said. <laughs> and you are she. That's exactly what so you she would know. said. I just said it. You're the titular she. Yeah. You're the eponymous she. Yeah. You're Hieronymus Bosch. Yeah. Do you want to grab all of this dosh? Yeah. Come down the street with me to get some nosh. You know what my nan used to say? Who's she? The cat's brother? Yeah, that's like a common British idiom. Oh, okay. I thought so, but... That is a weird phrase. Where does I that I don't know from? what it means. Was there like a famous cat... Mother who was called She back in like Victorian Britain. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up as soon as this part. The whole is nation over. mourned when little kitty she little passed kitty away. she. Yeah. Aww. So yeah. This was a good one. This was a good one. I did one. not anticipate that 
the questions were going to take up the whole podcast, but it was fun. It was a nice change of pace. They were like, all 36 questions will take like two hours. If we, but we didn't even yeah. ask 36 questions and it took us more than two if hours. If we had done all 36 questions, we would. this would be like literally like an eight hour podcast yeah. because we are, you know. We like to talk. We do like to talk. <laughs> we're the typical egotistical millennials yeah, we, we like are. to hear the sound of our own voice pretty much even though you never listen back to the podcast i don't listen back to because the podcast. you're too good for it you you're too <laughs> much of a prima donna no you know what it is i don't want to ever think oh i wish i hadn't said that because i know what i say in the moment is what i want to say and if i feel like afterwards it's not what i want to say that's not real because what I want to say, your face. <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> looked just at the laptop and I realized that it's close to, or it might actually go over four hours. Oh my god! You pulled a face you've never pulled. <laughs> I've never seen your face do that. I pulled a face like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't know what to do with this yeah, file. We should wrap it up. It's going to be too big to edit. I'm going to load it into Audacity, and Audacity's just going to explode put a gif of a sad cat on the screen and say no can do ombre it's gonna say that are you telling me that audacity is not spanish (laughs) hey you're so cute don't presume don't prejudge don't manage you wanted to think of something quick I've enough. I've gone mad. Your brain has gone into that mode of like, we're at the end of the I'm podcast. I'm jelly right now. I'm I've just given like mush. all that I possibly can. I'm a mush ball. So yeah, let's wrap this up. Like I said, we will do the topics we were going to do this episode. The second and third yes. topics. We will do them next episode. So don't worry. As if people are at home right now, like, oh my God, they didn't do the phantom second and third topic. What am I going to do with my life? But yeah, <laughs> rest assured if that's the case. If you're as neurotic as I am when I listen to podcasts. Which God, you know what are. I hate? One of the reasons why I'm fine with our podcast going so long, like we have like routinely like three hour mm. podcasts, is because if I'm if I like a podcast, I will listen if they put out like five two hour episodes a week, like ten hours of content, I will listen to it Same. eventually. And because I like the podcast, I want to hear it. I want to hear Same. as much as I can. But when you're listening to a podcast and they get, like are in the middle of a great discussion and one of them is like, you know, we should probably wrap this up because, you know, no one wants to hear this. No one wants to hear us go two hours long. We do like an hour and a half show. It's like, yes, we do it's want so that. It's so infuriating. Don't play into this weird paradigm of like podcasts have to be like blank long because yeah. I'm trying to hit this demographic and I'm trying to, you know, blah, 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 I think, pump up the downloads. I think that about YouTube videos, a lot of them watch, like, YouTube videos and they're at, like, in the very beginning they say, oh, I'll stop now because this video is already going to be so long. And it's like And then the video long. ends up being 11 minutes yeah. and I'm like, if someone's a fan of someone, like you said, they're going to want to watch hours of content. Not, like, be satisfied with 11 minutes a week. It's like, no, no. Yeah, I don't but- know who told you that, like, there needs to be this weird cutoff of, like, keeping it under a certain amount. Because that's not true. Or well, A, the people who told them are, like, the famous YouTubers who put, like, you want to get famous like me? Here's what you do. 
Uh, Ten minute videos with calls to action at the beginning and the end. Use this type of lighting. Use this type of camera. You want to have some fan interaction, but you don't want to give them everything. Respond to a few tweets here and there. Oh my God. (laughs) You should be getting money. Yeah. And secondly, 11 minutes in like the YouTube personality world, if you're trying to become like a famous YouTuber, is like watching all three Godfather films. That's Maybe like a few years ago, but not now. Not now that like... Indulgently long, epic length uh, to them. Not now that like we're at a time where it's like, give me as much content as possible because that's all I'm doing all day long is trying to eat up as much content as I can. Like if I have like a favourite YouTuber, just like you have a favourite podcaster, it's like when someone brings out an album or a book... The album's only 45 minutes long, but honestly, I could listen to this all day long, every day, because right. I really enjoy the sound you're creating, yet it's only 12 songs long, and I want some fucking more. Like, no one is there saying, this is one song too long. Yeah. Like, it's stupid. I really dig the sound you're producing, man. <laughs> Imagine you wearing, like, a Jamaican flag beanie, and you have bongos and long... Offensive. You know. No, but I'm saying like you're like a white hipster playing bongos uh, on the quad. Okay, I understand. We're going to do a jam session, man, after this. I've I'm going like... to bring my bongos. You bring your ukulele <laughs> and we'll just like jam, man. We'll just create a new sound. It's just about love, man. Hey, man, I thought we were playing hacky sack. <laughs> we can do it at the same time. What is this accent? Let the motion of your body infuse into the music we're producing. Think of the hacky sack I'm as cutting a you off. instrument. no. I'm cutting you off. The and if I could reach your mic, I would switch it of off. Of the hacky sack. <laughs> Hitting your foot is like a percussion instrument. Okay, yeah. What were we even talking about? Oh my God. I don't know. Oh, we're talking about podcast length. The thing I was going to say was... <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we, we go yeah. down these tangents. But the thing I was going to say was... I hate it when you're listening to a great podcast and they're like... We're going to cut off at an hour because we know that people won't listen to more than that of something. And it's like, they have this weird false economy in their mind where even if people don't like the podcast that much, they'll listen if it's only like 40 minutes long yeah. because it's kind of like bite-sized content. Whereas in reality, if someone doesn't like your podcast, they're going to listen to it two minutes in and cut it off. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to be like, I don't really like this show, but you know what? It is only 30, 40 minutes. <laughs> I probably should just finish this one out and like, you know, download a few more. Mm. It's such a weird way to look at it. If someone likes your podcast, they will listen to as much of it as you put out. thing is, as well, people are always trying to cater to pe- the fans they don't have when really they should be worrying about the fans they do have. Wow, that's deep. Yeah. Have you thought about writing the Profound Aphorisms book for content creators online? Yeah. Just like little Zen Korans? I already did. You can buy it at WH Smith. Is that where you'd want it to be? Yeah. Of all the booksellers in the UK? Fucking, that is where that book belongs, quite honestly. <laughs> it belongs in the bargain bin from the date of publication. Yeah. It goes straight from the printing press to the bargain bin discounted to 50p to get get it it out of here you can get it from tesco you can get it from the works how about that (laughs) (laughs) oh god only british people will know what we're talking about it's like a really cheap bookseller 
where like really it's not even a bookseller it's like a knickknack shop that sells books. that sells books and it's like bargain bin books and it's like celebrity biography yeah. type books or like but occasionally they'll have jokes. something amazing because that's where i got shakespeare from oh yeah our, our like tome of shakespeare but that was like a special edition limited run yeah it's thing. like four inches thick yeah and it's really heavy and it's really beautiful and it's like the complete works of Shakespeare and it has like this gold it has like gilt <clears throat> edged pages yeah. and that was like from the works yeah. so occasionally they'll have gems that's the exception right yeah. than the rule yeah definitely but, yeah. but I did walk past there the other day and I saw a book by someone that I follow online like I guess he had put oh, out a wow. book and it was like I knew that it only come out recently and yet I walked past the works, which is where books go to die or that, you know, books that have no worth anyway go to languish until someone buys them in the bargain bin for pennies. Um, Yeah, so I walked past and like, even though the book had only been out for like a month or two, it was already had pride of place (sighs) in the works. And I was just like, oh, that's so disappointing. Like if I ever published a book... I would have a rider in my contract. Saying it can never it be can sold. It can never be sold to that store. It can uh, never be sold to like bargain crappy booksellers that just sell like, you know. You know the type of thing I'm talking about. I had I, like a reality TV show, Here's My Life Story. What type I want to know is who's buying books from like Sainsbury's? Like yeah, we visited weird. the book section recently in Sainsbury's. And I'm like, who is thinking... Oh, I want to buy a new book. Let's go to Sainsbury's and see what they've got. Or like, I know who's doing it, but still. It's mums who want like. They're going on a holiday and they want like a book to read on the beach. Like I told you, I went to our little Sainsbury's that's just up the road. And it's like a little store, like one of those. Locals. Yeah, Express. Metros or whatever. And by the checkouts, as I was queuing, they had like the big cardboard point of sales stand for 50 shades of gray the new film on dvd and i was like that's funny who is like queuing to buy like <laughs> broccoli and chicken fillets in their local little sainsbury's and it's like you know what i'll pick up a copy of 50 shades darker on dvd like i want to meet the person who has that thought process and then just interview them for hours because they must have just like a fascinating mind that's funny. Because I feel like the type of person that would do that would be embarrassed to do that. And so it doesn't make it's any like sense. It's like a paradox. Yeah. If you would do this, you wouldn't do it. Yeah. Okay, we need to wrap this up. I'm so hungry. I just had a feeling of being so hungry that I might die. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for saying that because there are people out there that really might die. Oh, you got it. You took it yeah, dark. Why did I, I was just about there? to do a skit, a lighthearted skit. Yeah, you skit. can't do it. It's a bad time. Doctor, what did this one come no. in for? Well, son, she died after doing a four-hour podcast about <laughs> food. It's a totally unprecedented case. We're calling it first world problem-itis. Is that, is that like the... I'm trying to think, is that the suffix for diseases? Like, how do you end diseases? <laughs> how do you end diseases? That's very profound. It was very deep, yeah. <laughs> I just meant, like, what is the part tacked onto the end of, like, words that are diseases? It's itis, right? Yeah, like, 
Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I, I was really like second guessing myself yeah. there. I really appreciate you being there for me. You're my rock. <laughs> I can always count on you to giggle. Okay, so we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with anyone else you think may like it. And also recommend that they get committed to an insane asylum. <laughs> this podcast is like a litmus test for madness. Yeah. If you listen to all four hours of this episode and are like grinning ear to ear and you think it's the best thing you've ever heard, there are actually men with straight jackets <laughs> coming to your home right now. There's medication for that. Yeah. You're going to be on a heavy, repetitive diet of tranquilizers and mood stabilizers. Anyway, new episodes are released kind of, sort of, a little bit like about two weeks after the last one has come out <laughs> that's a very soft schedule let's just uh, put it that way we we aim for like two two and a half weeks after the last one has come out and if we can do it sooner we do but oftentimes things come up and life gets in the way and you know how that is listener because you're my closest friend and i tell you about <laughs> it all the time you can find the podcast on iTunes and pretty much anywhere else that gives you podcast goodness. I think my toes have grown. Sure. <laughs> I mean, they are growing, but I don't think you no. could visibly see the growth. Why would they be growing? Unless there's like some kind of fungus. I've stopped growing. No, so parts you of you are grow still growing. Like Only your nose and your ears. ears and stuff. Your hair. Okay, but only your nose and your ears out Okay, of well then does. let me just give you the straight answer. You know your toes have not grown. They might have. Do you want them to have? No, because that's weird. Are you interested in having long toes? That no, long toes are weird. Imagine if your toes were as long as your fingers. Yeah, that's what I mean. Long toes are weird. That would be... Horrendous. Nightmare-inducing. I bet that woman with really long nipples had really long toes. Why, why do you say that woman <laughs> as if like everyone's going to know who you're talking about? Oh yeah, Sheila. With the four-inch nipples. <laughs> Everyone knows her. She did have four-inch nipples. Jesus Christ. That's a story for another time. God damn, that's got to be uncomfortable. You just did like a long nipple gesture on your own breasts. And don't think I'm going to let you get <laughs> away without mentioning it. That was just for you. That was just for you. Yeah, well, I wanted to share it with the world. <laughs> okay. Or you can go to artatpodcast.com, which is A-R-T-A-T podcast.com which currently redirects to our soundcloud page you know, i've never understood you're telling people how to get the podcast but they're listening to the podcast yeah but they there's lots of like podcast websites <laughs> that just i don't know why this is making me laugh like there are podcast websites that just show all the podcast rss feeds that it can possibly get do you know what on. it's like you know how, like, famous people use Snapchat? I mean, everyone uses Snapchat, but when famous people use it, they'll say things like, like, hi, Snapchat, or whatever. I just posted a photo on my Instagram. If you're from the Snapchat fam, leave a little emoji or whatever. And I'm like, you're talking to Snapchat, so obviously they're from Snapchat. Yeah. That's what it makes me think of. Wait, I, that story was... That story just like short circuited my brain. <laughs> That's what it makes me think of when you say, I, I feel like that here's was how like, to find the podcast to people who have obviously already that found was the podcast. The verbal equivalent of an MC Escher painting, just to let you know that. It's kind of a masterful construction of a, of a subtle riddle on your part. But anyway, 
so yeah that goes to our soundcloud page and uh you know best wishes to soundcloud yeah. hopefully they stick around so that our podcast can continue to be hosted by their very affordable plans i must say <laughs> this is me getting a kickback to try and keep soundcloud alive and pimping their hosting services you have like no input right now Oh, you have that? nothing more to give to the podcast. I'm, I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of the aforementioned disease. Mm. Really. Okay. You can send any feedback or comments to rtappodcast at gmail.com. Just in case you forgot there was an at symbol in email addresses. Someone's got to have done that at some point, right? Yeah. You're like, hey, my email is, you know, rtappodcast and, you know, gmail or whatever. Yeah. And they're just like, Artap podcast uh, space Gmail. That's going to be an old person thing. Possibly. So, yeah. Please rate. Please review. Please subscribe. And please subscribe. Hey. <laughs> that's what I say. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, which really helps podcasts such as ours. Because we're special and we need your meaningless, valueless, in money terms, online affirmation but we validation do really need them. yeah we do kind of actually need it so do it um <laughs> and obviously on any social media come follow us we post cute pictures of microphones with faces yes and if that do. doesn't whet your appetite to come and check out our instagram i don't know what will we're art at podcast on pretty much everything like that and so yeah we've come to the end of this ridiculously long mammoth episode end of the line is this a song i don't know what else to sing is this a song about trains because i don't know how to rhyme wow look at that you you like it i do i've got no brain power left no brain power can i interest you in some crappy tv shows then two broke girls perhaps yeah that sucked daytime viewing for the brain dead don't be mean to two broke girl fans. I don't think there's a lot of crossover between the two broke girls fandom and <laughs> the listeners of our podcast. There might be. I would put the crossover percentage at 0.09%. I bet there's one. And I bet it's you, you listener. Come on, put your if money you where your mouth is. If you have watched two broke girls, comment on our Instagram. We get a comment from Mafia. <laughs> I bet he watches two broke girls. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. The music used during the intro and outro was kindly provided by Christopher from soundslikeanearful.com. And our podcast art was created by the talented Jake Contu, whose work you can find at jakeontou.artstation.com. See you next episode. Longest episode ever. Woo! Woo!